Blog Talk Radio. The Miami Hurricanes had a great trip to Toledo over the weekend. We talked about the benefits of facing a challenge on the road, and the Canes responded to that. When the Rockets pulled to within seven points twice in the third quarter, Miami put its game in overdrive and walked off with a 49-24 victory. Malik Rozier was a steady hand throughout the game, scoring three rushing touchdowns and throwing for two more. DJ Dallas, looking more and more like a true running back every week, had a 100-yard rushing day. And Jeff Thomas, looking more and more like this program's next superstar, had 105 yards receiving. The defense had a concerning stretch late in the second quarter and in the third quarter. Sure, Bunchy were throwing things around your living rooms and at your TV sets, but they played relatively well the remainder of the game. It was a nice outing all in all, but voters and even many Miami fans want to see more. The Canes remained in the number 21 spot in the AP poll and are ranked number 20 in the coaches poll. It's a long way from being ranked number eight to start the season. But after the way the Canes showed up in Dallas, they have a lot of making up to do in the eyes of the pundits around college football. Even as LSU stunned Auburn on the road Saturday to validate its victory over the Canes. Now the focus shifts to FIU and the return of one Mr. Paul Hilton Davis. We know him around here simply as Butch. And I think I speak for everyone in the Canes Nation in saying how great it is to see the coach who meant so much to the Miami Hurricanes, both as an assistant coach and a head coach through the 80s and the 90s, back on the sidelines for one final time in his coaching career. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around, but those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd lead you? the call came to consider the job at Miami, he took it because he'd been there and he knew the territory. Follow Dennis Erickson because of what happened under, under his regime. You're saddled with 31 scholarship losses, a bowl ban, and four years you quickly build Miami to number two in the country. Some think you should have played in the BCS title game that year, but you finished second in the country. You have offers to go to Alabama. You have offers from the Houston Texans. You go to the Cleveland Browns. Why the decision to go to the Browns? Yeah, um, well, the decision, I actually turned down the Cleveland Browns. I met with Carmen Policy and, uh, and um, Mr. Lerner, Al Lerner, like about four or five days after we had beaten Florida in, in the Sugar Bowl. Um, I turned down the Browns offer. Uh, I was grateful for the opportunity to interview with them. And then about a month later, Cleveland called out of the clear blue again. And, 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 and I, after we had a conversation, I talked to my wife and I said, you know, are we being stupid, you know, by not 
maybe taking advantage of this opportunity. And uh, and uh, so I took the Cleveland job, and uh, and then you know sadly after two years we made it to the playoffs. But then all of a sudden Mr. Lerner passed away with cancer, and Carmen got kind of forced out of the deal. And now all of a sudden you're there in an organization with none of the people that were there when you started. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man. actually missed coaching. I mean, my entire coaching career all the way back from high school to being a GA for Jimmy at Oklahoma State and through the Cowboys and all that stuff. I mean, I actually really love being in the locker room. I love being around the players. I think it's energizing. I think it's certainly uh, it's highly motivating. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you this emergency announcement. He is back, ladies and gentlemen. After a five-year hiatus, he has returned back to the game, and the public outcry is uh, I think the sky's the limit a little bit on the FIU program. I'm mean, meeting with the president, and the president was adamant. I mean, they really, truly, they sold me. They want a huge, successful football program. I mean, you don't want to say comparisons, but in some respects, um, we're the fourth largest university in the United States. And in some respects, I think his vision, what he sees is he would like for FIU to be the East Coast version of UCLA that there's a there's a, a private school within the same city that is small it, it has a lot smaller uh, you know student population and stuff like that has had great success and I think he wants to put it in the program where, where we could challenge them and if they'll continue to do and support the football program and the athletic department if they'll make all the commitments uh, then I think I, I clearly believe that FIU can be a, a, a great situation for a football program that we could potentially do what UCF did. We could be 13 and 0. Why not us? I mean, right. and and we threw out a litany of teams: the, the Boise States, the Utahns, the UCFs, and a lot of schools that have gone to January on bowl games. And in some respects, they don't have any of the advantages that we do with the, the South Florida football players. the field they got an experienced veteran quarterback that's played a lot of games in Rozier and so and he gets the ball one of the things he does well is he throws the ball deep and he gives those play you know their wide receivers playmaking opportunities down the field uh, you know as we get into it and you take a look at it you start to develop an idea as to you know what their strengths are where they play well I mean they've played extraordinarily well it's actually surprising when you watch the film uh, if you didn't look at the scoreboard you wouldn't be a hundred percent certain that they didn't actually beat LSU because yeah. of the way in which they played 
play during the course of the game. Turnovers obviously make a difference in the game and stuff. And LSU was a, is a good football team as they've already proven go on the road and beat Auburn at home. So uh, this will be a, this will be a really good challenge for our football program. I think one that our kids are anxious to uh, you know to go find out how good we can potentially be. Yeah, he's back. Butch is back. I don't know that I can foresee that USC-UCLA thing playing out quite as described. But he's back, and it'll be an exciting day Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented this season by Sicilian Oven with six restaurants throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. Same drill as always. We have over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. You hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, that puts you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. We once again asked subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. We'll address those tonight as we go forward, uh, but we have a lot of, to talk about this evening, I think. So let's get right to your calls. Again, 563-999-3633, 999 3633, you hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And I think we've got a familiar voice back in the number one slot once again after a one-week hiatus when he was a little asleep at the wheel, and that's Greg. Greg, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Great. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing um, good. I see you call, called in. Wow, you, you were in what, about 20, 26, 27 minutes early tonight. I'm impressed. Well, you got to do what you got to do. But anyway. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. You only you only won by a couple seconds here. I mean, we got several other callers that came in just after you. So you got some competition for that number one slot. But anyway, what you got for us tonight? All right. Um, Toledo, excellent offense, pathetic defense. You can't. Can we really tell much about the offensive line based on that defense we just went against? I don't think so, no. I think they did very well. I think you have to be happy with what they did. But, no, I I agree with you. I don't think you jumped to any conclusions. I'm not jumping into – Let me tell you something, Greg, just to throw this in there. I'm not jumping to conclusions about anything, all right? I just got done watching the FSU-Syracuse game. And 
I was just curious, like, can they really be this bad? And, you know, I, I, I kind of felt like I was watching Miami play LSU, to be honest with you. Things just went against them, and it snowballed, and before they knew it, the game was out of hand, and then they had to throw the ball every down, and Syracuse was teeing off on that weak offensive line they got, and, and you know, Florida State was, was done. But, uh, like, for example, I'm not taking that game in a couple of weeks for granted at all. You know, I, I think that you know, they're, they they figure to be a better team in a couple of weeks and, and it's a rivalry game and, you know, they're, they're going to come to play and Miami's going to have to be good. So yeah, I'm not, you know, assuming anything and, and I'm certainly not assuming because of how well they ran the ball Saturday, that it means that the, the offensive line has taken the next step. I think we got to wait till the level of competition gets a little higher to make that judgment. Uh, now, as far as the defense, how many times do we have to be burnt by the quarterback run before we make some kind of adjustment? I, I, I don't understand it. Well, Isn't that striker position supposed to be like a spy on no, the quarterback? No. no. I mean, if Manny Diaz chooses to use it that way, he can be. But really what that striker position is, is allowing them to match up against these spread offenses that go high tempo and don't allow you to substitute in and out. And Zach McLeod's huge weakness is pass defense. He got four snaps the other day. He's your starting linebacker. He played four snaps in that game. And that was probably just to get him out there just for the sport of it. Because, uh, you know, they needed to match up with the receivers. And what the striker thing does is it allows you to, to bring in an, an extra DB, so to speak, without really sacrificing too much against the run because he's a more physical safety kind of player who can also defend the run. Uh, I think we can all say that the three most three best players on the team by far are Jeff Thomas, Gerald Willis, and Jaquan Johnson. As soon as Johnson went out of that game the other day, Inevitably, they found Robert Knowles. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, I I, I just got the um, on the field. I I just got the Pro Football Focus uh, grades for last week. Right. And of the twenty-five guys that played defense, Robert Knowles was ranked twenty-fourth. So I think everyone's seeing the same thing there. Uh, the other guy that's really struggling this year is Demetrius Jackson. He he has been grading poorly every week. I don't know what's going on there, uh, but he he's really been struggling. But, you know, you mentioned the best players. Well, yeah, on defense, Gerald Willis clearly was the best player. He graded out at 88, which is spectacular um, in, in the way they do those rankings. Uh, if you're sitting there, anything anything over 85 is considered elite level play. Uh, a grade of 64 is average. Gerald Willis was 88 in that game on Saturday. And I'll tell you a couple other guys that really played well was Trajan Bandy, who's showing up as Miami's best cornerback. He's playing spectacular, uh, grading you know significantly higher than Michael Jackson. And um, and Michael Pinckney had a nice little game, too, at least based on the grades that are done by the guys at Pro Football Focus who sit there and analyze every single play in detail and give every player a grade on every play. Now, offensively, just to throw this out there, Jeff Thomas, 
in that game graded out 93.1. That's a that is super elite. That is that is very high NFL draft pick level football that they felt that Jeff Thomas played the other day. And here's one that's going to surprise you. And it's going to be a great topic of conversation, I think, for the rest of the show, based on what's been going on around here the last few weeks. Malik Rozier was the second highest ranked player on offense last week, graded out at 88.8. Now, like I said, anything over 85 is considered elite. Okay. That means that an independent objective body that grades performance on every single play considered Malik Rozier's performance at Toledo elite, which is, and if you look around the country, there are not many quarterbacks going into any game and coming out with 88.8 grades. And, uh, he had a pretty good game the other day, and I think he deserves a little he bit did. of credit for that. Yeah. I know. I agree. He had a really good game. Let's see him do it against Virginia Tech on the road or uh, Boston College on the road. No question. And then, okay, my last point about recruiting. How is that dumpster fire FSU out recruiting us this year by 10 spots? That, that's mind-boggling. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's early in the game. I, I, you know, I did. We we added. I don't know if you saw it on the website. We added a new um, a new forecast feature this week, where we kind of make predictions on guys who we think are going to become commitments and things like that. So I went through the exercise of going through the the recruiting clip uh, list, and I believe I identified about ten guys. That um, let me let me just pull my forecast list up here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I got a, I got ten guys on my list. Well, nine now that Jason Blissett committed this past week. I got nine more guys that I expect to become Miami Hurricanes. So um, actually, it's eight. I'm sorry. I have eight more guys that I expect to become Hurricanes. So if I'm right and these eight guys commit, they're gonna shoot. That, it's going to shoot Miami right into the top 10 w- without question. And I think they'll go past Florida state. The other thing I think is there's guys on the FSU commit list right now that I think Miami is, is going to go after. And I think it starts with the guy at the top, Akeem Dent, five-star defensive back. Uh, Akeem Dent showed up at the Miami Savannah state game the other day. And he not only showed up, he showed up early. Okay, shut up early to visit with the coaches before they had to go into their coaching duties. That tells me that Akeem Dent is seriously considering the Miami Hurricanes. Okay, you don't show up early to hang out with the coaches if you're not like serious. And by early, I'm talking about like three hours before the game. Okay, I mean, I'm not talking about 30 minutes before kickoff. I'm talking about three hours before the game started. Akeem Dent was at Hard Rock Stadium to hang out with the coaches and chat, okay? That tells me he's serious, okay? So keep an eye on that one because that could be a flip as as we go forward, especially if Florida State struggles. I mean, other guys, uh, you know, I know Miami's recruited Brendan Gant uh, through the months. I'd keep an eye on him. He's a four-star safety. Um, I'd keep an eye on Derek Hunter who was flirting with Miami for a long time, a bit of a head case, but, you know, keep an eye on that one. Uh, 
you know, I don't really know about. I mean, I'm looking at their list. Uh, you know, I, I don't see Washington Fuller. Uh, Sam Howell. I, I don't. I don't think there's any relationship there. No, I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting anything there. But uh, I mean, but but at the same time, I guess you never know. But no, I'm not. I'm not expecting that one. But I do think you might see one or two guys on that FSU commit list uh, flip over to Miami as the process goes forward. And then you know you. You, you talk about possibly getting guys like Chris Vogel, who I think Miami's going to get, Braylon Ingram, who I think Miami's going to get, Kenny McIntosh, possibly Evan Neal, Mark Anthony Richards, who I think Miami's going to get, who, by the way, I think is now being recruited uh, exclusively as an offensive football player. I don't, I don't, I think that the the thoughts of him being a defensive back have kind of faded into the background. I think he's being recruited as an offensive player now. Um, Lloyd Summerall, J.J. Weaver, Keon Zipper. I personally right now think they're all going to be Miami Hurricanes. So you add all those guys to the current recruiting class, now it becomes a decent class. I, it's not going to be top five. It's not going to challenge for number one. But it, it, it should be top ten. All right, Evan Neal's the big one, in my opinion. Huge. We need a left tackle. Yep. They need left. They need a left tackle bad. They need tackles. Period. Bad. They got to get a few of them in this class. No question. All right, Gary. Thanks for time. I'll talk to you next week. All right, Greg. Thanks for getting started as always. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And we're going to go out the 305, home of the U. You're live on Kane Square hey, Live. Gary. How are you doing tonight? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing great. Who's this? Adam? Adam, yeah. Hey, I recognize your voice. How are you doing, man? What you got this week? Good. A couple things. One, I was watching game day last week, and Kirk Herbstreit made an interesting point, And he said they were talking about the state of Florida football. And I wanted to get your take that UM will only go as far as Malik Roser takes them. That he feels that Perry isn't ready. That if Rozier does well, we'll do well. If Rozier struggles, we'll struggle. I would totally agree with that. And I mean, and I was watching, like, and I really watched the Toledo game, and then I watched the LSU Auburn game. And I, and I hate to say this because they just faced off. But I think Rozier is a lot like Joe Burrow in that do enough to give us an opportunity and don't make mistakes and we'll be fine. Yeah, Rozier can do more than Joe Burrow. Rozier's better than uh, Joe Burrow. Okay, but what I meant is if we just have to do it. free football, yeah. But what I'm saying is if Rozier plays mistake-free football and doesn't like throw interceptions yeah. and make bad decisions. He can. He, he did it last yeah. week. On the road, yeah. Now I know, I know it was just Toledo, but Toledo wasn't a terrible mm-hmm. football team. I mean, they're an okay football team. They, they, those were a lot of. They, they had a lot of hard-nosed uh, kids from Ohio on that team. I mean, they were not bad. Well, no, and they I mean they're going to be a legit Florida Mac contender. Well. I know it's the Mac. I know it's Toledo, but yeah. it, it, they went on the road. Malik played a near perfect game. I, I told you what the grade was by Pro Football Focus, which is totally yeah. objective. They don't, they don't have any biases or anything. They're grading what they see. They're independent people. 
and he graded out at an elite level last week, and and that that's a good sign. No, that he means played, he's moving he in the right it. direction. Well, Andy had that great um, over-the-shoulder throw to Thomas in the third quarter on first and ten. What was it, a forty-plus yard? And it was a perfect throw. And Thomas has really come into his own this year. I Playing mean, great. When Richards, yeah, I mean, when Richards is finally healthy. That's going to be one of, I'd like to say, at least like a top 10 duo if we get Richards back to his freshman ability. Yeah, when, you're lining up, Richard, when you're lining up Richards, uh, Thomas, and Cager as yeah. your three starting receivers, that, that is really good. They've just got to play them. Just play, play them like they're starters. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like I'm, I'm still not a fan of this every play rotation thing. Well, no, and Langham had a couple nice catches as well. Yeah, Langham's I mean, fine, Langham, but he's not—he's not the three guys I just mentioned. No, but I'm saying he's a good fourth receiver, and that's a good foursome. Yes, and, and High Tower is a good—a good fifth one. Yeah, no question. Yeah. And Harley, and, they I throw mean, him out there for a little bubble screen every now and then, or whatever. I'd find whatever, but yeah, you know. I mean, and I, I know it's early, but is there any thought given to, like, redshirting Pope this year just don't, so he can – because redshirting is not no, I hope a so. bad thing. I hope there is. I would like to see them redshirt Pope, Ezard, Wiggins. I would even redshirt Harley. I, I, wish, I, I wish they would rotate those guys, let them all play their four games each, rotate them week by week. And redshirt the whole group of them. That's what I would do. Okay. It's a waste. No, I mean it's a, it, it's, it's it's a waste. It, it's like it's like it's like Mark, Mark Pope had four snaps in the game the other day, and there's going to be a lot of games where he might oh. get not you know not get more than one or two or whatever. It's like what does he need to play for? Yeah. You know, I mean Hightower yeah. is going to play the whole year. He's getting a lot of action. He he, he had 18 snaps the other day. He clearly is going to play a lot the whole year. Um, Wiggins, yeah, and he surprisingly. Had a, and Hightower, it, I was surprised. Real quick, Hightower had a nice block on the Rozier run as well. The yeah. final TD run. Hightower and, and Wiggins amongst the freshmen are a yeah. little bit above everybody else because of how well they're blocking and how they're getting after it. And that's why they're getting the majority of the reps. But, yeah, I would redshirt mm-hmm. all those guys. Pope, Ezard, uh, like mm-hmm. I said, I would – you know, I would get them, get them all red shirt ears. Okay. And, and um, a couple more things. One, what happened on, because there were, I think, three plays where Johnson, and I can't remember which Johnson it was, just burned Michael Jackson. And is it like, and these were just simple fly routes. And this was in the third quarter. Um, in your eyes, um, is that not Jackson's forte? Because I think that guy's really – that guy, Adam, I know he plays for Toledo, and that's why you're thinking yeah. – that's how you're thinking of him. That kid's, yeah. you know, from what I'm told, is, is an NFL receiver. That, that kid is, could play for Miami well, without – uh, okay. he, he's I'm good, man. He's he, okay. Yeah, well, I no. mean, you know, my, you, Mike, Michael Jackson is a good cornerback. It doesn't mean he's never going to get beaten. I mean, he's playing. He's playing press coverage on the guy, and the throws yeah. on those two on those two plays were perfect. Yeah, and and he got beat, you know. But I mean, that guy's a good receiver. Don't don't sell that guy short. No, 
And a, a couple other things. Um, one on the recruiting end, what's going on with Tariq Stevenson? Because now there's rumors that he's a silent commit to Georgia. What's going on? I don't there? doubt that. I, I forecasted him to Georgia. I expect him to go to Georgia. I don't think he's going to Miami. Right. You know what? Let me good. tell you something. He, he and his mom, okay, on Paradise Weekend. Yeah. It's Paradise Weekend. The biggest weekend yeah. of, of the summer for Miami. And they got in their car and they drove yeah. to Athens, Georgia. Okay? What does that mm-hmm. tell you? Like, that tells yeah. me all I need to know. Now, Miami will hang in there. Miami's not going to give up. They're battling it out. They're fighting. But at the end of the day, I think everyone knows yeah. what the deal is here. And you just got to unfortunately accept it because it just seems there's going to be one or two of these kids every year that, you know. And this year it's Ladson and it's Tyreek. Yeah. Two guys that, that have started out at the same school. Yeah, you know, right. and the other thing, the other thing I'm going to tell you is yeah. you're talking about a kid that was coerced, I'll use the word coerced to be nice, into changing high schools his senior year. You know, what does that tell you? So, yeah. like, when I put two and two together with those two things, I mean, I personally would be stunned if he came to Miami. Okay. Um, and a couple other things. One, have you had a chance to watch tape of this Blissett kid? Is he going to be able to play here? I mean, obviously, the yes, coach is highly enough. He, he's a very, very unheralded up-and-coming prospect, uh, a guy that when schools start taking a look at him, start getting interested. The, the, the biggest thing – that I'd be worried about there is if somebody from the SEC came charging in and got his attention. But right now that looks pretty solid. And, you know, I, I think that, that it, this is what Miami needs to do on the defensive line because, you know, especially mm-hmm. at tackle, I mean, you got to be willing to go outside of, of the South Florida area and identify athletic kids that you can develop. And I, I think that's what they're doing with Blissett. No guarantees, you know, but uh, you know, I don't, I think that's a good one. Uh, just like I, I like the, uh, the the one from Georgia also. You know, I thought that that was a good uh, take. No, okay. Uh, and last thing, there was an article um, up on Kane Sport today about this cornerback Chamberlain, I think, or he goes to Chamberlain um, up in Tampa. Do you? Is there a real shot with this kid? Uh, it depends. It depends where they are. It, it it depends where they are down the stretch. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a front burner guy. I think he's, he's a guy that could land in the class if they have a spot for him. So, you know, they're continuing the relationship and, uh, I'm not sure that he's a front burner by uh, front burner guy. Obviously, you know, there are some guys they want more Tyreek Stevenson being one of them. Yeah. But yeah. So, but he's one to keep an eye on. That's why we wrote about him. Okay. Okay, and last thing. Speaking of flip, I know you mentioned uh, Keen Dent, but what about um, do we have a real shot at Hazelwood? Or is he just yeah. saying that he likes Miami? No, I think he, no, I think there's a legit shot there. He, he it, It's going too far. Like, I don't think he's playing them just for a visit. I, I think he's legitimately considering Miami. I think he likes it. 
I think he likes the city. I think he likes the, the school. Uh, now, at the end of the day, are you going to be able to get him away from Georgia? He's a Georgia kid. We'll see. But well, that's he's tough. good enough. That's he's good tough. enough that it's worth the fight for Miami. And if they don't get him, they haven't lost anything. They got you know they're they're in decent shape at receiver. Okay, and we so we're in good shape if we only take the one receiver. And yeah. the door's yeah. closed on Ladson. We haven't even approached him. We I don't think so. I I, yeah, I mean I have I have not seen or heard anything to suggest that the door is anything but closed. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my call, Gary. Hopefully we can beat up on FIU going into yeah. – well, I don't think it's going to be a blowout because Butch no. knows how to coach against us. Yeah, we'll but see. Yeah, he does. He does. He knows the formula. I think he. I think when he was at North Carolina, he won three out of four against Miami. <laughs> so, yeah. so he knows. you know, he, he, he does know the formula, but I, he, I, but I don't think he's got the talent that he had at North Carolina, so we'll see. But they better be ready on special teams because he will come with some block schemes and look in the blocks and punts on Saturday like he always does. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think – He'll have his team ready. Yeah. Well, I think FIU has about the same talent level as Toledo in terms of sheer talent. I think they're more equals. Well, we'll see. We'll see. All right, Adam. Okay, well, thanks for – Thank you. Thanks thanks for for being part of the show. Yep. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We're going to go out next to the 404. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Good evening, Gary. This is Uki. Uki, how are you, buddy? You're not really leaving Kane, the, the message board, are you? Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm done, bro. I'm done. I'm done. No, come board, on, man. But... Come on, every year, everybody, everybody respects you. You're a little negative, no, but, 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 but it's not negative, Gary. And this is the, one of the reasons why I wanted to call in because you, I think you misrepresented me totally. You, you, you made a comment about my expectations for the team is delusional or uh, unreasonable. Have I one time said, "Oh, I expect us to be playing for a national championship"? Hell, I don't even expect us to even be to win a, the ACC championship anytime soon. But is it delusional to to ask to see a team that's prepared, looks like it's been it practiced all week, looks like it knows the game plan? Because, Gary, if you take away West Virginia, I, I give them the bowl game. We played against West, West Virginia. Virginia Tech game last year. And Notre Dame last year, the game last year, we struggled in each and every game. We played it under the Mark Rick era. So my whole thing, well, Gary, and, and, okay, they and won fifteen. A, they won fifteen in a row. I get, I, I, get, mean, I, get, I get, I get, what you, I get. You got to give them a little Gary. credit for that, right? I get, I, I give them a credit, Gary. But at some point, you, you know what I'm saying? When do you? When does a team start to look like they're getting it? And it's, and it's oh, not I mean, about. It's not about. It's, it's not about winning the championship, Gary. All right, let's start. Let's slow down. Uki, slow down for a minute. Let's go back to the beginning. What would you say that Mark Richt inherited? What what, what would you say the state of the program was when he took over? The talent is not where Miami talent should be, but the talent is still better than most of the teams that we play against in the Atlantic Conference and and our side of of the ACC Conference. 
All right, but do you oh, understand what went on in those fi- in the final years of Al Golden? Like how much attri- how much roster attrition there was? Like they would sign twenty five kids and, and and fifteen, and there would only be fifteen left a couple months later. That they were blowing half of a, of a recruiting class, and I think that happened like three years in a row, and and it coincided with being on probation for real, where they lost scholarships. So the way I look at it, when I'm giving you opinions is I'm looking at it like, okay, they finished the Al Golden era on two probations. It was like being on two probations at the same time, which is which for most programs out there that don't have the benefit of all these athletes in South Florida, they, they can recruit and recover relatively quickly. For most programs out there, Uki, I mean, you wouldn't hear from them for 10 years. I mean, I don't know if you realize how devastating that is when you're screwing up all your recruiting classes and you don't have enough scholarships to begin with. I mean, it's like it was like being on two probations at the same time. So from my viewpoint, Mark Richt inherited a disaster. Okay. So, so don't hang up this week because I wanted to go through this with you. Okay. So I'm just giving you my viewpoint. Okay, I, I think he inherited a disaster. Okay, so now, the first year, they hit a wall and lost those four straight games. Horrendous. I'm with you 100%. Absolutely horrendous. Okay, that, it doesn't get worse than losing those four straight games. Okay? Then, they win 15 straight. Okay, they come out of that, they win 15 straight games. How many teams, I haven't done my research, but I know it can't be more than one or two, if at all. You know, I don't even know if Alabama wins 15 straight games very often. I mean, they won 15 straight games. Okay, now, horrible end to last year, horrendous. They, they hit a wall at Pitt. Rozier played like garbage. The whole team played like garbage. They were horrendous. They go to play Clemson. Clemson was just way better than them, okay? Let's admit it. Way better. I mean, they're not at that level yet, okay? And that's when I get to my delusional comments. If, 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 if we think that their talent is anywhere close to what Clemson brought to the stadium at the ACC title game, then that's delusion because we're not close, and we're still not close. Okay. And that's my point. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me I've finish. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you talk again. And I'm going to let you talk again, Uki. One second. I'm just giving you my perspective. Okay. Then they play Wisconsin, and that was a slugfest. That was two good teams, probably pretty even teams, and Wisconsin just beat them. I mean, they were ready to play. Miami played hard. They, there were no issues there. They just got beat. Okay. That was my viewpoint. I don't know. You know, you could tell me if yours was different. The LSU loss to start this season. Horrendous. Horrendous. A major step backwards. They weren't ready to play. I thought the coaches made a, did a horrible job in that game. And it was horrendous. It was a major step back for the program. And every criticism that you or anybody else could make about what they saw in Dallas is totally justified. And when you add the fact that the buildup and the way that the Canes Nation responded, I mean, almost unlike Miami has since the national championship times. I mean, I saw 25, 30,000 Miami fans in Dallas in that stadium. You had every significant Miami alumnus in that stadium who came to Dallas 
to support the program and the team and couldn't have laid a bigger egg. Okay, That was a disaster, and it was a major step back, and that's why you, you've seen the implosion the last few weeks in the fan base to the degree that you, that you have. So I'm not saying that you're 100% always you know, over the top wrong. I'm just saying you've got to keep it in perspective where they are and you know, um, acknowledge the good things next to the bad things when they happen. That's all I'm saying. But, Gary, this is what I'm – okay, I, I, and I get what you're saying, but just like you want, you want me to – it's, a, it's just like you. If I I don't have kids, but if it's like you, you know, if my if my if my child, if I know my child is can, can be an A student, and he's and he's bringing home F, but he brings home a D, I'm supposed to applaud him for that. And my whole point is this, and you said it twice in two games. It has been more than two games. They weren't prepared. Why? Nah, why? To me, to oh, me, the why? bad ones, Zuki, were Pittsburgh and and LSU. Those Gary. were the two bad ones in recent times. Okay, but Gary, this team, but this team has been not prepared for many games. It is not not just those games. Okay, they won fifteen straight, man. Fifteen straight wins. Gary, agree to disagree. We you've had two former players on the on your show the last two 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 shows who have said the exact same same things that I've been saying about this team. And it is not like – but the, the thing about this is, Gary, this is nothing new with Mark Rick, and this is concerning to me. And even when you said the last – after after the LSU game that the team looked like it wasn't ready to prepare, wanted to practice, or they didn't even want to play against Savannah State, that is irritating, and that is very concerning, Gary, because – why? How bad did you feel after the LSU game? You felt pretty but bad, what right? Is, yeah, but what wait, wait, you felt pretty bad, right? Like you're pissed, right? Yeah. Well, how do you think yeah, they felt? They went there and embarrassed you, themselves with all that buildup on national TV. They went and embarrassed but Gary, themselves. You, but you made it to seem like they just didn't want to play. They like they just wanted to give up on the season. As if they were like, down. They, no, what I what I said was they were down. They were down and out, and they should have been. That was a devastating performance in Dallas. But I, but I mean, let me ask you a question, though, Gary. Let me just ask you this, okay? Uh, if you think that uh, Nick Saban, after, after, after when his team take an ass whooping, they're going to have that woe me type of mentality, you're crazy. You're crazy, Gary. And that's the and, and that's the Why? Thing they're human beings, man. They're yeah, human but beings, but I get that. But if they lose, I'm sure they get down. I mean, why wouldn't they? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they got a coach that's gonna that's gonna. That's the thing. It's all about it's all about setting the tone, man. It's all about being the leader, Gary. And we got the perfect guy example. Who who when the reason why Miami is right now is because that guy right there left out. When he left out, the culture of Miami changed to what it is now. It is it's not it's not the original Miami culture, and when he when, when Butch no, left, it's not. When he, but it also doesn't left, have a reason to be. I mean, what reason does they have? Like, I mean, this program has been down for twelve years. It's it's you know, Mark Rick's trying to build it back up. I mean, what reason do they have to have that kind of culture? I mean, they haven't won like that. 
They've got and, and even in the first two years of Mark Rick, they had those two losing stretches. They have no reason to have the mindset of the 2001 Hurricanes. They have no reason. Then Butch could then did Butch not come into a mess as, as well. Did Butch not come into a mess as well? Absolutely, and and how many years did it take him to get it right? But as good as he was, is, but Butch, Butch might have been the best in the history of college football at bringing that program back the way he did. But it still took him four years, right? Barry, my whole thing is this: I'm not worried about being okay. beating Clemson. Butch oh, didn't no, play in the Orange Bowl in his first two years at Miami. I understand that, Gary. So Mark Rick, arguably, is ahead of the, the curve that, that Butch set. Okay? I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to make excuses for Mark Rick. I'm just, I'm just being fair. I mean, I, how do you take 15 straight victories for granted? Okay. I mean, I know, I know right, they, well. they, they screwed up the pit game. They screwed it up bad, just like they screwed up the LSU game bad. Clemson, they had no chance. And Wisconsin was just a hard-fought football game that they may happen to lose. But they were ready okay, to play right. that game. Well, we have a full season ahead of us. And I guess, uh, I guess the judgment will be at the end of the season. Absolutely. But, oh, my, my whole thing is, Gary, it's not even about beating Clemson. It's not even being, it's not even, it's not even being at that level at this point because I'm not stupid enough to think no. that we are there or we are – Not even close yet. Close to, should 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 even be close to there, but I'm talking about putting a team on the field that looks like it knows what the hell is doing, and that has nothing to do about talent or depth, Gary. That's they did they did on Saturday. I thought they looked like they knew what they were doing on Saturday. I didn't like the way the defense played in the third quarter, but they 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 looked like they knew what they were doing on Saturday. They they played a near perfect well, well, game on offense. They didn't have well, any penalties. They didn't have any turnovers. Uh, I mean, they responded when they had to. I mean, now it was Toledo. I I know that's what you're thinking, and I agree. I mean, it's it's Toledo, but I'm not. I'm not going to nag on it. You know what I'm saying? Because they did what they were supposed to do. They beat a a Mac team by more than two touchdowns. So I mean, right? I'm not. Now they got to go do the same thing against FIU. Do do the same thing. Keep getting better. Keep getting better and better. Keep improving. Keep getting your young players, you know, getting better. I, you know, I think you look at Jordan and Mallory and some of these young kids that are playing. I, they're not getting worse. You know, I, I know Mallory dropped that ball the other day, but they're not getting worse. You know, Revan Jordan is a true freshman playing 70-plus snaps a game, Rookie. I mean, that's ridiculous. But, but you know, so keep getting those guys better. They, the offensive line was was the best it's been against Toledo. Again, I know it's just Toledo, but you got to take you got to make your forward steps that you can. And uh, they really, exactly. you know, they they don't have to be great until Florida State comes in here. Because I still think Florida and State has a lot of good. Yeah, that's another story. But yeah, yeah, but you I can't mean, take it for yeah, granted. Yeah, don't take that game for granted. Oh, no, Got to be ready. I'm not taking. I'm not going to take FIU for granted. This going to be a. That's going to be a a a, a hard for a game for a game that most people want to give it credit for. Now I I believe that we're going to pull away, but I mean I, I I I they'll stick with us for a quarter, or maybe two, but you know yeah. their defensive but, um, line's not bad. It's going to be good for the O line. Yeah, they they're going to get another. I haven't looked at the star rankings of their roster, but I, I know they have a few good players on defense. They have a, they have a decent defensive line that's going to you know test the O line a little bit and get after it. And uh, so hopefully it'll be another good forward you know move on Saturday. We'll see. 
I'll be at the game. All right, I'll look for you. All right, man. Hey, thanks All for right. thanks for calling All right. in. All right, man. All bye right. bye. Yep. All right, the great Uki. Uh, the guy, the guy. You know, I mean, he wants to see. I know he wants to see the Canes back to being the Canes, and uh, you know, the only thing I think that he sometimes misses is that. It just doesn't happen at the snap of a finger. And I don't, like I said, when I went through it, like I, I think a lot of people underestimate where they're coming from, like where they started two years ago when Mark Rick began this journey. And uh, I think that you've seen forward progress. You've seen year to year forward progress. This year, the story is yet to be written. And nobody would argue that that LSU game, like I said, was a total debacle. It was horrendous. They got to bounce back from that. We'll see if they can. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And uh, guys, you've, you've seen the banners and the chatter on canesport.com for the new fantasy game Moneyball DFS. Well, Moneyball DFS was created by one of our members of Kane Sport and is a different type of fantasy sport. So it's a really simple to play game. And all you have to do is create your fantasy card by predicting the end of the game stats for your favorite team, which I know obviously is the Hurricanes. So go to MoneyballDFS.com and play in this week's $100 Kane Sport contest between FIU and the Canes. It's free to enter. And as of right now... I, I believe there are four spots in the game still open. So that's moneyballdfs.com. Go get yourself in the game and uh, see what you think. And then if you get a chance, post some feedback on the message board on the game so that uh, our creator can, uh, you know, get a little feedback, see if he needs to make his game better. Um, you know, he's still in the developmental stages, I think, with it and, and bringing it to the forefront. So uh, any feedback you guys can give him, I'm sure, is greatly appreciated. So that's um, MoneyballDFS.com. All right, let's go out to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how are you tonight? Doing great. Who's this? Yeah, it's 17305. Hey, what's up, man? Nothing much. You, nothing you much. sound to, uh, you, you sound so sane and so normal when you call into this show. What the heck goes on when you get at your keyboard and start posting on the I, message board? That's what I want to know. I have no idea what you're suggesting, Gary. You lose your mind when you when you type and you lose your mind. When you come on this show, you, you, you sound like a, like a football it's genius. It's, it's, <laughs> anyway, it's go ahead. What you got, man? How you, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic here. I wanted to touch about about three or four different things. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit about Toledo. I want to talk about uh, FIU, a little bit about Ken Dorsey, and last but not least, recruiting uh, with uh, some information I heard, or some some stuff I heard today on the radio uh, with Coach Hartley. Uh, very impressed. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to talk about Toledo, and uh, I came out on their message board to say if we don't do certain things, we're going to lose by 10. And that was not a knock just on us. It's basically giving them a lot of credit. That that coach is an outstanding young head coach. He's got some great assistants. You're looking at, what, 11 out of 22 starters coming back this year, with the exception of the quarterback. But uh, on paper, they do a lot of really good things. The numbers are there. And the number of kids that you look at that they've been able to bring in and develop, that wide receiver, I, I think, is exceptional, in my opinion. 
I agree with you. I, I, I mean, I, I think that that was a, a good win for Miami on Saturday. Nothing to start doing cartwheels down, you know, US one over, but like, well, you know, it was a right good solid performance. I think you got to give credit to CMR and his, and his coaching staff. I mean, but they progressed last week. But I look at little things. Little things can, are, are good indicators of growth. And when you look at one thing in particular, Malik's feet, he had better balance. He stepped up in the pocket a couple of times. He, he was more sure of himself. I thought mentally, physically he was better. But when you look at his balance and his ability to step in his throws, huge improvement. Now, I don't know if that's a result of the offensive line doing their job. I guess that's up for debate. And uh, protecting him, which barely, barely got touched, I think, throughout most of the game, except for one or two times. Uh, but he had four really good NFL throws. Two out there. When he gets a clean pocket, he—I mean—he can get it done. Like his good is good enough. It's just the consistency level with his accuracy. Because even when he's not getting pressure in practice and drills and all that, I mean, Coach Rick is very honest when he comes on the radio, and he's—he's he's mentioned these things before. But I thought I saw growth there. Now, in terms of mental growth and mental weakness, I saw him take a step back. When you go on social media. Okay, when you're going on social media, if you're worried about what's going on, then you don't have the blinders on that you need to see where you're going. You've got to put all that crap away and focus on doing your J-O-B. So mentally, I was a little disappointed with some of the things that I saw on Twitter especially. Not just from our fans, because we're always going to be fans, but some of the, the, some of the things that he mentioned, uh, just totally out of I mean, just not, not what leaders do. You've got to go ahead and, and just have your blinders on and focus on the job that you have at hand. When you look at that offensive line, though, Gary, I, I, you guys mentioned this, I think, yesterday or the day before. There's one guy in particular. I mentioned him last week. I think he's better for the type of the scheme that we're going to run. He's more mobile. He's much better in the passing game. And I think Bo, uh, uh, is it Benzel, what's his name again? Bullware, what's his last name? Bullware. Ben, Benzel Bullware. I, I, I think he's the guy. He's got, he's got to basically be our left guard. I, mean, I, I think you mentioned earlier that we were playing so many people, and that's all good and dandy, trying to get some game reps, and they've been sharing a little. But he got more reps last week. And I yeah, think you know, about to start. he split. He they, he and Jahair Jones are splitting the position just about evenly. Uh, Benzel, I think, had 39 plays. Jahair had 37. They both they both graded out pretty well last week. They both did did had a had a good game. So I think and you'll continue he, to see that. I think you'll continue to see them split time. I, I think uh, you, you, we have found our best left guard. But to be quite honest, another option that I don't know if they've ever even discussed or, or I'm sure practice they've gone over, I don't mind – I know you lose them at center, but I don't mind moving Tyler over guard and bringing in Corey. Well, the last kid that's coming into the mix, even the sixth man for the last two weeks, is a uh, kid from, from uh, Southridge, uh, Scaife. I mean, they're starting to grow. They're starting to develop. But Skate got what? He got 15, 15 snaps last week. He went up by six or seven. So you're seeing the, the growth there. But eleven. He got eleven. Combination. Got eleven. You, you look at the combinations, and I listen. I know that those coaches have forgotten more than I'll ever know. I know what they see every day dictates what you're going to do, and, and that's why we get so frustrated as fans when we forget they have a clue as to what they're doing. But again, you can overthink things. And one thing offensively that I, I, I know he should have done this past Saturday was bring in Perry and let him throw the ball a little bit. He's got to set himself up 
to be able to come in just in case somebody gets a great lick on Rozier and he's out, that next guy's got to be ready to go. And I don't think he's giving him enough opportunities to get ready. That was my opinion. Maybe I'm being extremely selfish, and, and my uh, some people would say I have an agenda, which I don't. I just, as a former coach, I can tell you the things that I'm seeing, you've got to prep yourselves for situations and practice as good as you can go ahead and try to make it depict what a game is. It's not a game. The bullets are not flying. So that was one thing I was a little disappointed in. But looking at the defense side of August Toledo, uh, once J.J. got hurt, man, our, our, our depth at corner and our depth at, at safety, our depth, period, and the, and the back row was, was really exposed, Gary. Uh, and I was really disappointed to see uh, Mr. Jackson get beat three times, two that were completed, but once that wasn't. Uh, but, man, we, we were lost here for a while. Manny had to go to a little bit of a zone to try to keep the ball in front. As you mentioned earlier, even though I'm not a big pro, uh, pro, pro football-focused uh, type of guy, but, I mean, Knowles was just horrific. I mean, his rotations were horrible. Yeah, he's terrible. He, he's absolutely, absolutely terrible. I don't know why they keep putting him out there, but uh, they were kind of handcuffed the other day because when Jaquan got hurt, uh, they didn't have Amari Carter to turn to. He would have been the next guy up, I think. And and uh, no so they, yeah, they. I, I mean, that's why they played Knowles. But man, I I, I hope Gervin Hall takes takes a forward step really quick because uh, it gets really problematic when when I, I I hate to say it, I feel terrible. I mean, he's just a kid, but. I mean, the the level of play when Knowles goes on the field really drops. Well, and and one thing that bothers me, there was a lot of criticism about Manning when he was at Texas with his inability to make changes quick enough, to play too many players. Some of the things that we've mentioned, that you've mentioned, were the criticisms back then. And one thing I noticed, it took 11 minutes for him to get the right rotation back there. It took 11 minutes for him to go ahead. Well, he came with a really good game plan. He came with a good game plan, and they were having phenomenal success until they fell asleep at the end of the first half. But then they, they came out in the second half, and like you said, that, that Toledo coach is a good coach. And, and they adjusted some of the, the, the blocking schemes up front because Miami's defensive line and Gerald Willis were absolutely dominating the game. And they adjusted some of the things they were doing up front. And I, they also told their quarterback to not hesitate to take off and run. And, and he, he started hurting right. them. With, with some of those runs. Now, the plays on the outside where Michael Jackson got beat, I talked about this earlier, that guy's a really good receiver. He's, that guy's probably going to be an – he's going to probably play in the NFL now. I mean, that guy was a, is a really, really good receiver, and Miami knew that going into the game. Um, you know, I was told that, that there was un, no question that he was good enough to play at Miami, and the, you know, I think they anticipated he might give them some problems from time to time. So I wouldn't overreact to that real quick, but – but you're right. I mean, they did. They adjusted to what Manny was doing, and it took a long time in the third quarter to adjust back and, and get the game under control. But fortunately, they were able to do it. Gary, coaching is like playing chess. There are counters to everything. It doesn't take long for anybody with half a brain to say, okay, this and this is being taken away, and this is being given to us. Let's take this. They kept seven. They kept seven to block on two of those long possessions. And, and Jackson was totally off base. He, he never got a jam. I don't. I think once he didn't know if he was his owner man. By the way, so there were things that I saw from him that disappointed me. And I've been mentioning. I know he's a good player, but there's no doubt in my mind he is not a first round. On speed alone, on agility alone, his reaction time, he's not a first rounder to me. I mean that's that's something that's been said many many times. 
and he's a, you know he's going to be a first rounder. So is Jaquan Johnson. Listen, measurables no. are measurables, and they're not first rounders. Neither one of them. Neither one Let's of them be will be first rounders. No, nope, I don't. I agree. Let's with be you. honest. And I'm and I'm an ultimate homer when it comes to that because I still thought Mac had Mac had a great underwear Olympics and not gotten sick. He had a shot at making some decent money, but it is what it is. I want to talk about FIU though, if I can. And one topic that for some reason people, some people are on board with me, some people are not. Uh, I think you've been kind of been on fence here and there. But let's talk about a guy who coached nine years in the NFL. Let's talk about a guy who, who was a, and I would say basically he was a genius behind center for this University of Miami football program. Let's say that this guy has one of the best football IQs out there. Let's say when a guy like Gary Stevens, okay, a guy like Mark Tressman, when they say that this guy has the goods, when Shula says he's got the goods, I don't know about you, but that's enough for me to figure out that this guy knows what the hell he's doing. And there's so many of us that are so ignorant. And I don't mean to say that I'm all-knowing or anything like that, Gary. I just try to educate people. And I'm trying to make everybody aware that if they think that this guy has been in that office as an assistant athletic director and has not been involved in day-to-day operations functions, all the different requirements that he agreed to when he first came on board, he is coaching. He is breaking film down. He is helping everyone. It's just beyond the ignorance sometimes just drives me insane. This guy. Oh, it's funny because we, um, Jim Martz, Jim Martz from my staff went out there today and requested an interview with Dorsey, and they wouldn't make him. They wouldn't make him available. <laughs> He's well, like their secret I, little weapon that they got stashed away over there. <laughs> one of my former players, his son is a GA over there, that played at Southwest, and he made it very clear to me a long time ago how smart this guy is. I mean, they're just like all clinging on to this guy like sponges. But anyway, I'm going to tell you what. They're going to be very well prepared. They're going to be ready to go. Do they have Do they have what it takes to beat us offensively? I don't think so. I think they're going to go ahead. They're going to move the ball on us. I think they're going to go ahead and give us some matchup problems. I think there's going to be a lot of misdirection. You know, one way that you attack a defense like ours, a Manny defense, which is the prototypical UM defense, what do you do? You have misdirection. You have counter trays. You have you know, great cutbacks. The smartest running backs against us have all done what against us? They've cut back on us and beaten us alive. Through the history of our program, we've been at our best. So those things we're going to see. We're going to see all those things. That's part of their game plan. Um, one thing that I'm worried about with defensively with us, I'm worried more so about the back end, J.J. not being there, okay? With Quan not being there, the guy who runs your defense, the guy who pretty much – not just runs the back end, but he runs that whole defense. Without that guy, I think we're going to have some matchup problems. I think we're going to be misaligned at times. And if by chance Robert Knowles is in the game, you know, I'm just going to be holding my breath. Uh, just, I, I just got to be honest with you, Gary. I'm, I'm really concerned with that. And offensively, man, I, I think if I'm, if I'm these guys, I'm doing the same damn thing I did against Toledo. I'm going to go ahead and establish the line of scrimmage. I'm going to dominate the trenches. I'm going to try to run the ball down their throat. And as much as possible, I know we got some good looks last week with the RPO. If I'm them, I'm going to limit that as best as we can. I don't want too much RPO. I want that line to get some really good chemistry along with them rotating two guys in, Gary, that, you know, you know, by chance if someone gets hurt, they're ready to step in right away and play. I really think it comes down to us exerting our will and our force at CMR, which they several times, 
on them in the trenches. If we do that offensively, and we we run the ball for two, you know, two, I'd say about 250 yards or more, I guarantee it. Mr. Perry should play the fourth quarter, and I really think he should have a couple of pass attempts. I don't know if that's too much to wish for, Gary, or, or if that's just being totally no, one I'm sure that they would love for it to play out that way, that they could get in a cozy, uh, decent time in the second half. That would be awesome. I think it's time. and I, the, the opportunity presents itself. I think it's a major disservice not to do that for that kid. Well, you've got to get him ready to play player. in case something happens to Malik. Even if he's not going to overtake Malik this year, which I don't think he will, unless they start losing. You know, if, they, if they lose another game like they lost LSU, I think, I think Rick's got to consider doing something different. But uh, – well, I, they do need to get him ready to play in case something happens to Malik. He's one play away from being the starter here. He's one play Correct. away. Uh, Correct. So anything they can get him is quick good. On if I can, I know you mentioned you watched the Syracuse game. Um, I have a ch- had a chance to look at it, but I'm going to make sure that I emphasize this point as well tonight. Don't take anything for granted, period. But especially when it comes to a game like this, whether it's played at 12 o'clock or 3.30 or 11 o'clock, it doesn't matter. This game has a major significance. It's a personal situation. Throw everything out the window because it might sound like a cliche, but I'm going to guarantee you something. They'll be ready to play when they come down here. No doubt. And the worst thing, and it's pro- the worst I think it's, I'm hearing it's going to be a noon game, by the way. I think it's going to be a noon game. We'll see. Uh, I, don't think that, I don't know that that's the, final yet, but I'm, I'm hearing that the networks are leaning towards noon for that game. Well, I, I just think uh, we can't take anything for granted, and, and they have a ton of talent on that team. I know it, it's, it looks like a fiasco right now. I mean, the, the, the guy is like he's like having a written statement for Monday press conference, which is unheard of, but they'll be ready. I guarantee you they'll be ready. The last thing I want to touch on recruiting. I had a chance to listen to Todd Hartley's interview today on WQAM. On, I think it's called Kane Live or some sport like some show like that, and I got to tell you, this guy has been an awesome recruiter for us. He has gone to Duval. He has taken over that area for us. I mean, we're more prominent there. Yes, than he more. has. And in 20 years, that's never been the case, Gary. Never been the case. But not only well, that, Clint, I figured out. Well, Clint Hurt was doing pretty well up there, too, when he was on the staff. I mean, you know, Hartley's not the first, but Hartley's doing, doing great. He's, he's, he's in with every kid up there. One thing I, I and, and listening to his bio, I never knew this, but he worked for Doc Holliday. Explains why he is such an aggressive recruiter. That explains why he is able to take guys and go ahead and not only just sell them on UM, but sell them on him. You've got to do that. A Doc Holliday is a perfect example of me telling you exactly what's wrong with Mike Rowe. You've got to be that guy. And I can tell you right now, Rump's not the only problem. But when it's Dugans, when it's Dugans and Hartley that are pretty much carrying the whole load, you got a problem on your staff. You got a major problem on your staff. You've got to have that it factor. And I keep waiting. I know you mentioned today you, you mentioned about eight or nine guys that you expect to join us. You know what I, fear I have recruiting wise? If Armand Richard doesn't play, his brother's not going to come here. I'm going to tell you right now, if he's not happy, I'm going to guarantee you, he's not going to come here. And he's, he's not, not playing because he's not happy. He's been, he's been hurt. Yeah, he's been hurt, but there are several conversations. You know what they are. 
okay, they, they, especially at the LSU game. Those things could say that that's a hearsay, but there is some relevance to it. There no, is not. He hasn't, he hasn't practiced one second since that game. I understand that. It's not because he was upset with And we're not totally happy. Don't buy the what BS. Is, we're not totally happy with some of the issues with Benny, Mr. Scavo. I know what I'm telling you. So there's stuff out there. So let's hope that that kid gets on the field quick. Because if he doesn't work out well this year, it's gonna back, it, there's going to be a backlash there. That, his brother will not come here. I mean, I, I think you need to do a little research there. Maybe I'm totally hearing things that are, you know, totally off base. But, you know, it's a small world. We know a lot of the same people, Gary. But I'm, I'm concerned there. If, if that's the case, man, we got to go ahead and get more aggressive. These assistant coaches have to start delivering. Or they got to get the hell out. Well, we'll see. He's not he's not back at practice yet, so I wouldn't expect to see him this week. All right, man. Let me let some other people uh, get the microphone. Now, well, hey, Gary, thank 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 you so much for calling. In. Great great call as always. Now take that game to the message boards because man, it gets a little ugly over there sometimes. All right, guys. I'm going to take a second here to talk to you about really what's becoming one of my favorite restaurants. I think you know you could probably tell that listening to me talk about them every week on the show. Um, but it's one of the best and rapidly expanding dining concepts in South Florida, and that is Sicilian Oven. And, you know, I don't have to tell you about all the hundreds of pizza places that there are out there. There's one on every corner, one in every shopping center, plenty of places where you can go buy a pizza. But there's no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. And um, at Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining, using the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And um, many of the recipes have been handed down from generation to generation through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. And um, there's nothing like that good old fashioned home Italian cooking. And that's what you get at Sicilian oven. And uh, it begins with classic pizzas with traditional toppings, expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far more removed from what you'll find at the nearest corner. If you love wings, they've got them. A lot of the former players go to Sicilian Oven, and they have chicken wing eating contests where they knock down about 60, 70 of those things in one sitting. And uh, they're wood-fired wings that are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions. Mm, boy, I'm telling you, they're really good. And uh, Sicilian Oven also offers a wide array of specialty dishes with eggplant to mussels to fire-roasted shrimp palermo. They have soups, salads, sandwiches, pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you're going to find something great to eat at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. You can go to Sicilian Oven on your way to or leaving Hard Rock Stadium. You can visit the Plantation location, which is at the Fountains Complex off University Drive, um, guess what, about 15, maybe 15 minutes north of Hard Rock. Or you can go to the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne, which is about 15 minutes east of Hard Rock. Need a place to eat great food and watch a road game? They have locations in Lighthouse Point. They have a location in Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st. They have a location in Boca Raton, and their new location, which is beautiful, by the way, absolutely beautiful. I haven't eaten there yet, but I drove by there the other day, and I was like, wow. It's on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale. 
and they got a full liquor bar at that location. So that's a good one to go visit um, sometime when you're cruising around Fort Lauderdale. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You will not only love the taste, but you will taste the love. It comes out in that food, and it's oh so good. Try it out. I've seen some guys on the message boards talking about stopping at Sicilian Oven since I started talking about it, and uh, they were not disappointed, and you won't be either. All right, let's get back to the show. Let's go out to the 304. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, this is Hurricane Blaze. How you doing? What's up, man? How you doing tonight? Doing well, thanks. I'll go ahead and jump into it. I think, uh, I think we're blessed on offense because of Jeff Thomas. Uh, I don't He's think elite. Malik Rose. Oh, definitely. I don't think Malik is. Uh, I think he's an average at best, and I just believe Perry Williams, maybe Williams could do the same type of throws to Thomas, if not better, and more often. But besides that, something that's uh, come up the last few weeks was um, you're not a big fan of Quan Johnson. Hopefully by now you see how important he is. What are you kidding me? I think he's a great foot. He's a great football. Quan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson. Great football player. Yeah, you've always, you've always kind of been on a uh, on and no, about his size I, and all that. I don't so. think he's going to be a first round NFL pick because he just doesn't have the measurables. But he's a great football player. Well, just remember when it comes to measurables, he's basically the same size as Ed Reed, and I think he's uh, no. maybe a hair shorter. No. Look it up. No. Look at no. I don't care. No, there. He's not even close to as thick as Ed Reed. Oh, thick? no, I'm just talking about, well, actually, he is uh, about the same height, and weight-wise, they're probably maybe 10 pounds off. Jaquan, Jaquan looks like a small cornerback playing safety, but he's a very good football player. I'm just going player. off stats. stats from you can get away with that. You can get away with it in the, in the ACC. You can get away with Jaquan Johnson at safety in the, in the ACC. I'm not sure you would want to do it in the SEC. Way too physical. Way too. The athletes are way too big. I, I think he would. He would. He wouldn't be able to hold up if he had to play an SEC schedule every single week. But you can get away with him at safety in the ACC, and he's a very, very, very good football player. I don't have to tell you that he's a preseason All-American. There you go. I'm glad to hear it. Okay, let's go to Joe Jackson. Is it scheme or is he just what's going on there? Because the guy I don't know. Looks, horrendous. I agree. <laughs> Biggest underachiever on the football team right now, I think. I, I yep, can't think okay. of a bigger one off the top of my head. I mean, he, he's he's well, just not he getting. What's he like practice? Is he is he because we've been talking about practice, so I'm going to have a few a few practice questions for you. I mean, is he one of those? I don't get to sit there and watch him every. I don't get to sit him sit there and watch him take every rep at practice. But uh, on game day, he's kind of a little invisible. I mean, he's just not impacting the game like you would expect the guy of his ability to do. And I'll tell you, the other guy that hasn't gotten off to a great start is Shaq. The Shaq of 2018 is not the same Shaq as 2017. I don't know if it has anything to do with the weight he lost or whatever. I don't, I don't think it does. But he's not impacting the game the way he did last year. And hopefully he gets his act together, too. Uh, Pinkney is Pinkney's playing pretty well, but uh, McLeod. I mean McLeod. I mean, kind of fell victim to the style of play last week. He only got, I think, four snaps. But uh, Shaq I was out there he, almost the whole game, and he he's not really impacting it like he should. I think when you watch the defense, I mean, you can call out Willis, you can call out Johnson, 
and you could probably call out Bandy. Those three actually break down, but the other players, it seems like they over-pursue, and we've been doing it for years. Maybe it's just, again, scheme, but when I don't it comes know, down to not, they're not tax, playing well. They it can't be scheme down. because, I mean, Shaq had great games last year. He's just not. I don't know what's up, man. He's, he's a good player. He's just not showing it so far this year. Hey, uh, PFF ratings. What's the rating between Homer and uh, Dallas? Last week? Yes. Uh, give me one second, and I'll tell you. Um, Dallas? Why are you looking at unbel- Yeah. No, I got it for you. I'm, I got it. It's right here. Okay. Uh, Dallas graded at 82.3, which is really, really good. 85 is elite. Okay, that's, the, that's where the line is. And if, if a guy is accumulating a grade of 85, that means he played at an, at an elite level in that game. Dallas was 82.3. Homer was way down. Fifty-eight point nine. Oh man, yeah. I think they graded him really high in pass. They graded him really high in pass blocking. Apparently, he did really well in pass blocking. But in every he other did. category, he had all, he had very, very, very poor grades. I don't know what's up with him either, because he. I don't think he's achieving as high as we thought he would. Or you know, he, you know. Hopefully, he'll play. He'll start playing better. But he's he's underachieving too. I think. Well, I mean, he does a lot for the team, right? He does special teams. He's unbelievable on special teams. So, I think, you know, let's go with Dallas because, obviously, he's doing a little bit better. He has that it. There's something about Dallas. He has that it factor. And yeah. I think Homer can feed off that along with the team mainly, right? Well, and, and, so, and Thomas Brown noticed it. I mean, you saw Dallas out there a lot more than Homer in, in, in the game um, in Dallas, <laughs> you know, to start the season. I mean, that shows you what the coaches think of DJ Dallas and the forward step that he's made in the off season. And when we're watching him on Saturday, I mean, he looked like a real running back out there. He looked like a true running back. And that is a credit to the job that Thomas Brown has done coaching him. I think I posted about this on the message boards and um, just a phenomenal coaching job. Yeah. If I was able to get in a few weeks of, you know, this is the first time I've called in for a while uh, or I've had to listen, but uh, I was going to say, man, we need our best players in there. Uh, I'm not, again, sold on Rozier. Uh, disappointed, average at best. But if we're going to have to move that ball, even if it's a, you know, in a cloud of dust, as they used to say, I'm all about running the Wildcat. And if Dallas can actually toss that ball around a little bit, it's all about hitting the targets. If you hit the targets, let the athletes get the extra yardage. So, but obviously he's starting running back material, so let's keep him there. Yep. Uh, also with the uh, this weekend, I tell you, uh, you know, I, I was a big bring back Butch guy, but I'm happy with where we're at to a certain point. Uh, I can tell why you know people are uneasy because we feel like we're not moving you know as quickly as we want. But look at look at Taggart, look at what we have with Golden. It could be a lot worse. So let's keep moving no forward with that. But this weekend. Uh, I like to see us, you know, have this put away in the, uh, you know, third quarter best. But uh, I just feel like Butch is going to bring some heat. And uh, I think Rozier is easy for other coaches to really game plan around. Do you get the same kind of feeling? I, I just feel like if you watch him, you know that yeah. he's going to look look that first receiver down. Uh, and when he runs, especially against a good team, it's almost as if he closes his eyes when he goes around the corner. I'm surprised he hasn't got lit up. I don't know, more. man. He, 
Yeah, he's been running pretty good. I, I wouldn't knock him for that. All right, hey, let me let you go. We got to get to um, to Ryan oh, McNeil okay, yeah. and Bruce Warner yeah, who are well, getting ready to come yeah, on. So uh, I know, I know. Thanks. Uh, just next week, the uh, next week, next Thursday, USC has their full team back, and I think people aren't aware that they haven't been playing as a full team. It's a Thursday night game, so that could be a trap game. So all right, we'll talk about that next Tuesday. Give us a call. Yeah, be safe out there. All right, man. man. Yep, thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys, it's that time of the night where we switch gears, and uh, it's a new segment on Kane Sport Live this year. We call it the Sicilian Oven point-counterpoint segment with the answer man, Bruce Warner, and a former player. And uh, tonight, we're going to be joined by Ryan McNeil, the great one, the cornerback, who knows a little bit about how tough it is to be on an island out there, like we saw Michael Jackson on Saturday and. uh Came up short a couple times, but uh, I'm sure Ryan had a little bit of sympathy for him as he was watching the game because um, he's been out there, obviously, many times himself. And uh, Bruce and Ryan, how you guys doing this evening? Doing great. I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Doing great. Ryan, thanks for taking time away from your dinner, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> I told him, Ryan. I told him you were interrupting <laughs> his welcome. dinner. But... All right. So, yeah, I mean, so he, hey, before he we jump into it, Ryan. <laughs> yes. Hey, before we jump into it, just take, just give us a quick summary of what you're doing these days, where you're living, what you know, what are you up to? Uh, well, quickly, uh, I live in Atlanta. I've been here since I retired, uh, so that's been what about 14 years now. Uh, working on a sports a new startup, a technology startup in sports technology. It's called Sports ID. Um, and our goal is to uh, be able to qualify and quantify everything and everybody in the sports ecosystem. So think of it as uh, LinkedIn for sports with data analytics and statistics for athletes, coaches, sports executives, brands, uh, product services, you name it. Uh, our first product we're launching in the next few weeks, next 30, 60 days, is called Camp ID. So think of Camp ID as the uh, Angie's list or Yelp for sports camps. For the last 25, 30 years, family and friends have been asking me, hey, what sports camp should I send my son or daughter to? And so, you know, being able to help them uh, with that problem uh, and have them helping them find the solutions, you know, I realized that there was a bigger problem out there in the bigger sports ecosystem. And so that's what we're trying to solve uh, via website and apps. And so that's what we'd be doing. That's what I've been doing for the last, you know, two years and so. And we'll be uh, creating, you know, additional products and services to help uh, uh, the ecosystem navigate the entire sports space. Obviously, we know it's pretty big. Told you. He's an entrepreneur, Gary. He's a good guy. Yeah, you know, it's so, it's, it's so cool. I mean, like we had Claude Jones Hamlet. on last week. He, he's a doctor. We had Anthony Hamlet on who's the superintendent of schools in Pittsburgh. It is so freaking cool to have known you guys when you're 18 years old, watch you guys grow up and see what you guys are accomplishing as adults away from football at this stage of your lives. I mean, I mean, it's incredible. Well, I mean, I would never get away too far away from sports. It's like me going into medicine or finance. It's like, why would I do that? You know, I was part of the, the biggest, the, the best game in the world. And uh, and I love sports, and I think sports can change lives for the better. And uh, I just want to make it, you know, a little easier and accessible uh, to many. You know, my business philosophy is simple. 
you know, solve small problems for big markets, and sports is a big market, something I understand, something I've been a part of for, you know, over four decades. So, you know, you bring, you know, some institutional knowledge to the table and uh, teaming up with uh, uh, developers and technologists, you know, we're we're going to be able to uh, solve, you know, a, a few of those problems and solve, you know, a little of those pains that, uh, that you know, parents have, athletes have, and coaches have. So, Ryan, why don't you solve this problem? You watching the games, you know what's going on. I know you're involved with the podcast with, with, with Kelvin Harris. So um, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. There's been some, if you watch the Toledo game, you see that, uh, there's been some there's been some safeties coming up in the line. The and Toledo quarterback changed the plays, and bang, we're we're exposed again a few times. The quarterback also was able to run the ball a few times. So what are you seeing out of out of Miami's defense? And then of course the DBs, because that's what we we have you on for. That concerns you. Well, I mean it's still early in the season, right? So it's only a third game, and. Um, you know, you have, you know, some, some new uh, pieces and players, and they all got to get used to each other in live fire, right? You can practice as much as you want uh, at Green Tree, um, you know, against, you know, the offense, uh, in pads, whatever the case may be. But it's very different when you have live rounds and you have, uh, you know, opposing coaches, you know, game planning uh, for you. So a lot of things that we saw last year is not going to work. So you got to, you know, continually adjust. And so uh, the one thing I did see, you know, once Jaquan went out, you know, he's the quarterback of the defense. You know, he's the guy to get everybody in alignment. And he's supposed to know your assignment and you're supposed to know the technique. But when you don't have that, it's almost like a conscious, you know, you, you got to think maybe a half a second longer and uh, wander a half a second longer and you're late. Uh, adjusting to the play. And I felt, you know, once they got used to him not being there, you know, they played a little bit more free, a little bit more aggressive. But you can see, you know, some of that hesitation, uh, you know, for a half a moment, a half a second. And uh, and, and they got a couple of plays. And you got to give them credit. You know, they were hyped. They were ready for us. That was the biggest game of their season. So, you know, we're going to be able to take and get, you know, other teams best. And so that's what I think that uh, – that the guys got to be prepared for, you know, uh, they're bringing Miami back. Are we back all the way? Uh, maybe not yet, but, you know, still, you know, when you hear the U, the University of Miami, you know, you, you know, we make people take notice, right? And uh, you got to be prepared for the Toledos uh, of the world that they're going to bring their best, uh, you know, for all four quarters. And I think that, you know, we saw, you know, some of that, this past Saturday, and uh, it's a learning experience. You know, and each and every time you step on the field, you know, you either going to, uh, you know, it's a time for you to learn and become a better player. So uh, in, in the, the theme of the shows we've had so far, when we've had Hambone on, we had Big Patrick Riley on, we had Claude last week. I spoke to Charles Farms earlier yesterday. Um, you know, you're on our show. So the common subject was, Rick practiced the one offense against the two defense and the two off against the one defense. 
And I, everybody that we've spoken to ripped that. They wanted the ones to go against the ones. To me, it's like a false sense of security when Rozier's going against the number two defense. What's your thought process on that? Because it seems to me that watching the LSU game and some, and, you know, especially the LSU game, they just like, whoa, what the hell just happened? Because they're playing against our second team defense when they're for the most part. I know Gary will will step in and say, well, they they, they practiced. The scrimmages were clearly the ones against no, the two. I'm not arguing arguing this one, Bruce, because, I mean, how can you argue it after the way they showed up at LSU? I mean, you know, they, they were not prepared for the level of team that they were facing that night. And uh, I think what happens, and and, and you know, I, I want to hear what Ryan has to say, but I think what I've noticed is that these coaches sometimes seem to be overestimating where some of the guys that they're coaching are really at. And, you know, they got caught putting some guys on the field in Dallas that just didn't belong out there yet. And the whole momentum of the game changed, and they, they, it took them two quarters. They couldn't recover from it. Wait, well, before Ryan talks, I just want to jump in with this one as well, and Ryan can address this as well. All offseason, all we really heard, and this, thing, this is the one that bothers me the most, is that Rozier improved. He went through the film study. He did this. He did that. He improved his mechanics. That ain't true. I'm not even going to say that isn't true. That ain't. Tr- I'm going to use the word. It ain't true. It's no, he's no better than he was last to be, year. To be That's determined, true. Bruce. To be well, to be determined. The he, LSU he, test was should have been it, us playing him playing against our one defense. He might have been more prepared. He's not. Well, he played on Saturday at an elite level. You know, just going yeah, by pro football focus. Well, it, yeah, well, Ryan, your thoughts, buddy. So, 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 you know, obviously. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I have affinity for my Canes, young, old. But I think that when you talk about – let's go back to what you said about the ones against the twos and on offense and defense and vice versa. And so, you know, you have – coaches have some, – some, some coaches have philosophies. You know, this is how things work. This is how they think it works best, right? So, you know, Mark Rick has a winning record. You know, at University of Miami, had a running record at University of Georgia. So, you know, to me, whatever that that was, you know, it worked. And so, um, uh, I think that uh, you, you know, at some point, you know, maybe not all the time, you want your ones to go against the ones. I mean, but the thing is, and this is what a lot of coaches are adjusting to, is the safety issue, right? Um, you don't want to get your ones hurt. You know, obviously, you don't want to. And so if if the ones go against the ones, you know, we did it when we played. And, uh, and you know, there were some epic battles yeah, <laughs> on Green was. Tree. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, we got some guys hurt. And so uh, in hindsight, it's 2020, and, you know, it's a safety, safety factor, safety issue. You want to have all your horses ready on game day. Um, now, Ryan, right, you're not uh, saying that extra. you can't get hurt with a one versus the two, but you can. No, with the no, one. no, you no, know no, that's no, no, no. I, what, what I'm not, but what I'm saying is, is that when you know you got your best out there competing, uh, you know, each and every play, even if it's for 15, 20, 25 plays, you know, you got, you know, I was the kind of guy that didn't have an off switch, right? And there was a lot of a lot of us on defense didn't didn't have an off switch. We knew one speed. And so we had to be careful of playing against, you know, you know, uh, Gino, Craig, Steve, 
Lamar, you know, Dale Dawkins, you know, so, 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 so much. My point is that, you know, it's something that is probably best the way the NCAA is set up now. Now, obviously, you know, you can adjust and tweak as you go through the season. Uh, some guys need more work. Some guys don't. And so, you know, that's a coach's decision. But a player's decision, you know, is you being prepared and ready to play of the game. I thought that when the team as a whole didn't have any rhythm, and by the time they found the rhythm, like you mentioned, it was more uh, in the second half. And even still, they didn't look like the – what what you expect, you know, it wasn't no sharpness, wasn't crispness, wasn't, uh, you know, that aggression. And I don't know if it was the stage, you know, playing in, uh, you know, one of the biggest, best, beautiful stadiums in all the world, or uh, if we just wasn't ready to play uh, at that level. LSU had their backs against the wall, right? They already said that the, the coach is on the hot seat before the season even started. Right, so it's different dynamics, it's different environment, and it's different uh, tension. You know, our tension was anticipating that we're gonna light, you know, light LSU up for 35, 40 points. LSU is struggling to survive, and to me, we didn't come out with that hunger, that you know, do or die, uh, you know, type tempo. Uh, it's cost us, you know, it's not a cost us in the rankings, but it, it gave us a loss, and I think that hopefully. You know, when I talk about before, learning experience, every time, every time you, you know, scrap at the pads, you're going to learn something about yourself. You're going to learn something about your teammates. Uh, they played better. Now, was Toledo a perfect game? No, I don't count, you know, the Savannah State game. I mean, uh, you know, I thought everybody played well, and I don't count that. Uh, Toledo, you know, better opponent. Now, FIU, I don't know what FIU's like. I know Butch is a hell of a coach. I know he's going to have his guys ready. And so, and then we got, you know, could play that game well and get better and get the younger guys involved, uh, play North Carolina, then play Florida State, obviously. And so I'm not trying to go play Florida State tomorrow, but I'm saying that the season is long, and you want to see improvement each and every week from all your positions, all levels, first team, second team, and third team. And if, and if we get in that, then, you know, we may be able to put ourselves in position at the end of the season where we want to be where we want to be yeah you want just this one loss and you want to go to virginia tech and beat them and set yourself up to beat Pitt and get ready to play clemson again so yeah it's the measuring stick obviously it's clemson but you've got to get past you got to get out of the coastal first so i don't disagree with that we have to show improvement but these next couple of games i don't know what we're going to see uh, except you want to play better that's all we can't play the same and expect to beat. and again florida state's going to be a war because that's that's a rivalry game and it is what it is Hey Ryan, you know I I can't remember how much we substituted the the couple years that that you, that you were starting and stuff, but you know you can probably put some perspective on this. I mean it's a three three game late in the first quarter in, in Dallas, and we line up for a play without a single starting linebacker on the field. This is against the LSU in Dallas, the showcase national game. And we don't have a starting linebacker on the field. And one of our starting safeties and also. And wasn't Knowles on the field too? Correct. And, and Knowles, right. And they give, they, they give up that 50-something yard touchdown run that totally changed the game. 
So, so, so there has to be some kind of method, you know. There has to be some kind of reason. I don't know what the reason is. But well, they were just they were working, they were rotating in, they were giving younger guys a chance to play. But like, I don't understand. Like, that is not the time and the place. Like, you know, Bradley Jennings is a second-year well, freshman who's hardly played. I mean, that that's not the time and the place. Typically, typically and historically, again, you have different coaches with different philosophies. You know, when we play, and this is the only perspective I have, is when I played. You know, you 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 had to earn your way on uh, a big game like that, right? And typically, we didn't rotate that much. We were to- we rotated our uh, D line, but the line, you know, Mike, Jesse, and and Darren, you know, they didn't come out. Uh, they never came off the field. Bernard, they never came uh, out. Crum, Crum and Rod and Rick Newfield, you know, those guys didn't come out uh, until you know we had the game well in hand. So everybody has different philosophies. Secondary wise, somebody got hurt, then you know you uh, you would you know make a rotation or, or change. But you know typically you have your dime and your nickel packages and things like that ready to go. But you know uh, to me, again, this is what I'm talking about: tempo, right? Tempo, and uh, uh, and it just it just it just didn't feel that uh, the the whole team as a whole, you know, found a groove. And, and maybe it was because it was rotating too much or too early or too soon. I'm not quite sure, but you just didn't see uh, the the cohesion. Uh, you know, it just didn't seem like the, the team was in sync, offensively or defensively, or even special teams. You know, because those kicks were, those punts were. You know, they they weren't Fiegel esque, right? And no. so, uh, you know, it, it, it there was a lot to, to to improve upon that game, and you know. Seemingly that that we're doing that, we head in the right direction. And so, you know, when you have a big game like that, and you want it to be a game early in the season, right? If you're gonna if you if you're gonna not play your best and get beat, you want it to be early in the season so you have time to make up for it. And and, and that's kind of where we are. And uh, and hopefully we can you know finish everything out the way we're supposed to. Uh, it's gonna be some tough games. You know, teams have gotten better. I think we've gotten better. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, the, uh, the the receivers, the running backs, uh, you know, defense to me is is where the heart and soul of your team should be. Obviously, I'm biased, right? Um, and I think that we haven't shown that dominance, you know, like, you know, again, I don't count Savannah State. You know, we haven't, even showed, we haven't come into a game, smack the team around, you know, sack the quarterback, say, hey, and dictate the tempo and the flow of the game. You know, that's what I'm waiting for. And hopefully we can do it against FIU. Yeah, but also one of the things that we've talked about is the lack of leadership. Who's the leader on this team? I don't even know who it is. You knew who it was when you were there. You knew who would speak up, and you knew who not to talk back to. Um, these guys, I really can't even – I don't know if Gary has an opinion. Who's the leader on offense and who's no, the leader on defense? It's not, it's not like that. I don't, know if that. I don't know if it's good or bad. Ryan can comment on it, but I can't identify local leader. So listen. Yeah, so so listen. Here's the thing that you got to understand about about sports. About you know, you have a bunch of alpha males, one in every locker room in Division One football, right? And so, uh, leaders are uh, you ascend. Leaders can't be appointed, right? You know, the coaches can pick captains. Coaches can't pick leaders. You know, and uh, I think that you know that's an organic process. Uh, to me, one of the most uh, vocal leaders that I've been a part of in my time at University of Miami was Derek Golden. I think Derek might have started maybe twice in his whole career, 
preacher man. Uh, he was a, a special special teams maven, but he was a leader in the fact that you know he know he knew what to say, he knew how to say it, and he knew how to get a response from you know individuals as well as a group. And so you know, kids can't anoint somebody a leader. You know that has to be happen organically, and it's early in the season. And 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 the leaders can. You know, you can be a leader, you know, week one and don't say anything for eight weeks and then, you know, still be a leader and, you know, show some leadership in certain situations. You know, everything's not the same. And, it, again, it's different than when we were playing because a lot of young guys didn't play that early. We have – it's different now. You have a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing and starting all over the NCAA, all over Division One football. That wasn't the case when I was – you had to earn – and when I started as a freshman – I mean, it was because, you know, somebody got hurt, but, you know, I wasn't giving up that starting job anymore. I mean, I was, I was stuck there. And so I had to adjust. And being young, I had to go watch film with all the upperclassmen. I had to drive those guys around to lunch. You know, it's like it, it was a blessing and a curse. And so I think that um, it's different. And we got to be careful uh, that we don't, you know, impose the history of Miami on the guys all the time from a personality standpoint, record standpoint. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, the bar is set. The bar is not moving. But, you know, we got to be able to stand that it's different times and, you know, it's, things going to be not quite the same all the time. It's the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint, and he is Ryan McNeil. And, man, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Ryan. Uh, yeah, you, you brought some awesome perspective to so many different things. And uh, do you ever go out to Sicilian Oven when you're riding around with your windows down in South Florida? <laughs> uh, no. He, he will be. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, I don't know. Next time is, you come but, to town. Uh, next, ne- ne- uh, next. It'll be October 4th or 5th, yeah. All right, you make sure you build in a little time to go have a meal at Sicilian Oven. It's really good. I'll do that. All right, buddy. All right, man, and come back on the show again sometime. It's been great having you. And, Bruce, thank you. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Okay. All right, I'll definitely. Thanks for the time, guys. All right, go Canes. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. All right, guys. Wow, how good was that segment? Ryan McNeil. First of all, look at what he's doing (laughs) with his life. I mean, the entrepreneur stuff that he's got going on, that was impressive enough. And, uh, man, some of those opinions were, were really, really good and, and give everybody a lot to think about, uh, you know, just in terms of what's going on with the team and what we're seeing and that, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, awesome stuff. Anyway, my phone's been buzzing. I just got a text from an old friend of the show, and he's on the line. And he wants to come speak to us. And I'm watching the Miami Dolphins play the New York Jets the other day. And they got this Chris Herndon kid. <laughs> like he, I mean, forget the fact that he was a tight end. They, they got, he, they're, they're lining him up, playing him like a wide receiver, throwing the ball to him all over the field. And he was a big part of that game on Sunday. And I know who the proudest guy in the stadium was. And he's on the line with us now. Mr. Herndon, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Gary, what is up? Wow, I was so proud. I mean, I'm not even his dad. I was so proud watching him play on Sunday. I, I mean, to see well, him as a rookie. Oh, my God. Yeah, as a rookie to be you, such man. a big part of that offense, that was amazing. 
Yeah, and don't say welcome back because I listen to you every week. I'm on this I'm on this call every week like I told you I would be. Uh you don't just graduate out of it. You know, I'm still a big part of it and I'm still gonna listen to you guys. But yeah, it was great. And I mean <clears throat> and as you see they're using them just like Miami used them. Um in their team, so it's it's great, dude. It's really great. Well, I imagine you were probably happy that I mean, I know you've been to probably every game for four years, but you were probably pretty happy that you were not in Dallas. I imagine. Oh man, I was supposed to be in Dallas. Of course, uh, work came up and I couldn't co- I couldn't go, but I wanted to be in Dallas because I felt like oh, we were going to beat the brakes off of LSU, and of course, listening to that last segment. I was like, oh, man, that, you know, friends of mine went. But, yeah, that was uh, – I, I was hyping it up like, yeah, we got we got them. We got this. But, man, I hate losing first and foremost. I hate losing, period. But, yeah, not in, not in a game like that when we should have won. We should have won that game hands down. So, yeah, that was, that was heartbreaking. Well, I guess you see what's been going on with the team. They got these two freshman tight ends that have come in to replace uh, Najoku and your son. Uh, they look really good. Uh, they, this this uh, Brevin Jordan kid is almost like a Chris. He's a Chris clone, to be honest with you. I, and and he's going to do great things. He's open all the time. They just got to start throwing the ball to him more. True freshman. He's playing like seventy three plays a game, Mister Herndon. Unbelievable. Um, yes, and then they got I'm the whole Mallory so, kid. <clears throat> As I'm watching it, that's the exact same thing that I'm thinking about. I'm like, you know, for his parents, him being patient because this kid is open a lot. I mean, I'm like, come on, man. You know, it's just, and it's funny because the same thing I'm going through now, he's open a lot throwing the ball. I mean, so, yeah, he's a great kid, both of them. But both of those, even Mallory, I mean, uh, as we know, football hadn't changed. <clears throat> a good tight end is a quarterback's best friend. It doesn't matter if you're in. Pop Warner, high school, college pros, if you're a rookie pro or a veteran, a good tight end is a quarterback's best friend. Everybody is so enamored with the long ball. You, you, you're, and this is the problem I had even with him being in college, high school. So everybody wants to throw the ball 70 yards down the field to a wide receiver because that's the mismatch. But you're not thinking about all your mismatches. So you want to throw the ball 70 yards down the field to a small receiver that's double covered and this is this, but you won't throw a 7-yard or 15-yard pass to a tight end with a linebacker on him that's covered. It's, it's so – you know, it's just like everybody's enamored with the big play like that. But, you know what I'm saying? So, once I'm telling you, man, it's a different philosophy like the last segment the guys were talking about. Coaches can say, I want to go for the big play. I want to go for the big play. It's going to open up receivers, this and this. But if you keep dinking and dunking, taking it underneath when you have a tight end with a mismatch, that's going to open up the 70-yard play with a receiver, not with a double coverage, but with um, single coverage. So especially when you have 
tight ends like the two that are on this team now. And I will sit there and say, yeah, you can compare them to my son and David all day. But you have to utilize your weapons. Those two kids, those two kids do. I mean, if I had Malik's number, I would be calling him and say, look for your tight ends. I got his dad number, but, you know, and my wife got his mom number. But look for your tight ends. Make it – it's, it's, uh, I was in the Army nine years. I was in the infantry. We used to have a saying. It was called KISS, K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. You got two great freaking tight ends like this. Just keep it simple. The downfield stuff is going to come. Keep it simple. I mean, but, you know, I'm just a dad, a fan, or a, I used to <laughs> coach and all this other stuff. But and you're partial to really? tight ends, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, you are. <laughs> I love tight ends. <laughs> and and you know it's, it's let, and let's also be honest the 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 opposing uh, defensive coordinators are taking a look and they're saying oh they got a true freshman playing tight end and thinking they don't have to cover them you know so that's yeah, probably exactly. why they're open all the time exactly. but, but I think they'll get to those guys they will they, yeah you know the, yeah they will those, just, just like with my son I mean him and David both they started as, well my son started as a freshman they you know you got to earn them bones you got to pick that stuff up but at the end of the day you know. It'll come that way, and, and they'll start realizing, okay, we need to go to this guy. We need to go to these two kids coming in. I mean, so – and that's what I, I feel like is going to happen and I want to happen. So it's it's going to be interesting. We're going to be all right. I mean, you know, the LSU, I freaking hate that loss, but as we're moving forward, everything is going to get better. Just, you know, the defense is going to get better. The offense is going to get better. So – we're in a good position. I'm, so is Chris keeping in touch with any of his uh, former teammates? Oh, my goodness, dude. They have um, group text messages with him, Braxton Barrios. I mean, he was just up there a couple of weeks ago with um, R.J. McIntosh up in New York. And, yeah, he, he keeps up with all his dudes. Of course, this week they're playing Cleveland, so – I'm actually uh, I'm going up there tomorrow, and you know David, you know I've called him my son since he's been a freshman, not his dad. I mean, you know he just called me pops. But we're gonna go out to eat, so yeah, he keeps in touch with all of his UM UM brothers. So that's great. Yeah. I didn't realize that Chris and David are playing against each other Sunday. That's awesome. I'll oh, do. Yeah. Uh, oh man, have to keep awesome. keep an eye on it that. Is, how about the current team? Are are they? Do they keep in touch with any of these younger guys that that came oh, through yeah, with them? Yeah, yeah. He he talked to uh, Michael Irvin Jr. Especially when he got hurt. You know, I talked to him. I said, "You talked to him?" He said, "Yeah, I just got the phone with him after it happened." Yeah, he's he's really involved. And and I forgot the uh, the guy's name that you just got off the phone with that was uh, here. Ryan McNeil. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I would love to get in touch with him if you can hook me and him up. That would be great because I want to do some stuff with him. And, and that's what uh, Christopher is looking for It's the networking. You know, of mm-hmm. course, I have a younger son that's 15, and I would love for him to work with Ryan now. But he's uh, he wants to come here, of course, in his downtime. Him, Brad, John, I mean, just whoever's from UM. And that's what he wants to work with when he comes home. I mean, because mm-hmm. that network is so prolific. 
mean, it's great. So yeah. Yeah, and some of these former players, if they're they're doing some great stuff, you know, out there in the yeah. in, in, oh, in, yeah, the, I mean, in the working world. So you are a genius because that segment that you just put on, <clears throat> I, I was sitting up here saying, I need to talk to Gary and have him hook up with Young Herndon because, I mean, the, the stuff that McNeil was talking about is true, it's factual. I mean, that that would be great. And, of course, you know, he, he's doing his nonprofit stuff and, so I, I really hope you can hook us up with him because. Okay, I'll try to. I'll try to. I'll try to make that happen for you. All right. So before we let you go, is he is he enjoying the NFL? He's loving it, dude. He's he's loving it. I mean, it's. I mean, it's another chapter in his life, but of course, again, he's a rookie, typically, so he's a freshman. He got to pay his dues, and as you've seen before the games. They had him blocking, blocking, blocking this last game. They finally threw him the ball. Of course, me and his mom, we're like, you know, okay, we're going to New Jersey. We're going here because we want to be there when he get his first pass in, in this last week. So he had his first pass. He got his second pass. He wanted to get in the end zone. He had his first drop. And <clears throat> as good of a game as he had with blocking and everything, that first drop was, he was down about that. I'm like, dude, it was wide open. It's okay. You got your first pass. So he's loving it. Who All right, awesome. And hey, um, and thanks for uh, calling into the show. Uh, don't be a stranger. Come on again. Oh, definitely. Definitely, Gary. I'm All right. always here, man. All right, Mr. Herndon. And, and, and I'll try to hook you up with Ryan. I'll see what I can do there. Okay, buddy. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. You got it. All right, 563-999-3633 is the number, 563-999-3633. You hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I need to uh, recalibrate here and and figure out where the heck we are. Um, Let's go to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's up? Doing great. Who's this? Steven in Atlanta. It's been a it's been a minute. What's up, Steven? Ain't that much. That much. I I'm I hate to turn the tables back to a, whatever people like to say a negative thing, but I I've, I've been I, I've been disappointed. You know, and I'm a diehard fan, but you know I I. People would say, I'm not a big fan because I don't support the attitude of we can't be champions again when we rose to being a champion when nobody thought we would ever be a champion. And when I watch the same stuff that's going on um, with us, that's continuing to go on with us, that don't look like we're going to be a champion no time soon, you got to think, at the same time we started our descent to where we at now, Mark Rick was taking the job at Georgia. The difference between Georgia 15 years of not winning the championship and ours is we went through three different coaches. You get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But not winning the championship is not winning the championship. But Georgia... You look at Georgia now, you know, for whatever reason it may be, they're on the they're they're playing championship football. 
They look like it. Even though they might not win it this year, they might not never win it under Kirby. But their fans have hope. Our hope is raised and lost. That's all Mark Rick may be is going to be able to do. He might raise the hope like you keep bringing up that 15-game winning streak. Okay, so what? How many of them 15 games was was kind of like major? You know, we won the bowl game. What bowl that was with West Virginia, Gary? What bowl uh, that was? It was, won that? it was the uh, Russell Athletic Bowl. The Russell Athletic Bowl, that was a good, you know, that our first bowl win, okay. The program is turning around. Right? We continued that on with what? That's That started the 15, that was in the 15-game winning streak, right? Yep. And then we went all the way to, and lose the pit. Then yep. you lose the pit, you follow that up with a loss to Clemson. You keep saying we couldn't have beat Clemson, we wasn't going to. Why not? Why we couldn't be been ready to win that game, Gary? But They're not there yet. Gary, look. You, you you don't go you don't go from A to B in, in one step. They're, 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 they were going from A to B. Okay, Gary, let me let me get to this. Syracuse beat Clemson that same year, right? I don't remember. Florida State, yeah, Florida State almost beat Clemson after we beat Florida State a couple of weeks before we got to the ACC game. So why, even though we lost that game, why we had to lose it like we didn't even practice? Like we was on Christmas break, the whole we never practiced for the game. There's a I can't explain that. Losing <laughs> and getting and getting and getting just just like we shouldn't even been there. Like we should have forfeited and let Virginia Tech or somebody go and give a better effort than what we gave. That's all I'm saying. We we might not have. They might have had the most talent. I still think we could have beat them if we would have had the um. The desire to win it. We didn't go there with no desire to win that game. To even try to win it looked like. And that's what that's what upsets me about this regime. You know, he comes in, we don't put the right people in the right place. Don't even try. We bring in we bring in a running back coach and we're we're grooming him at Miami to be the offensive coordinator. No, no, not necessarily. I don't think Mark Rick has any inclinations to give up the play calling. I don't think I don't think that's I didn't say in give the up plan. The play calling. I, I didn't say give up the play calling. Now, which one is it? Is he the no, no. coordinator? Is he the offensive coordinator? That's a, it, it that's like the, the new. It's the, that's the new thing now in college football. They give guys coordinator titles so they can jack up their salaries. It just, well, it, it, it's all it's all about like creating a pay. You got to create a pay scale, Steve. So, like yeah. Ron Dugans was like Florida State was trying to hire Ron Dugans away. So they they, they had to keep Ron Dugans and they had to raise his salary. So they gave him um, a passing game coordinator title so that they could justify in the in the scheme of things at the university paying him at a higher level. That, that's all it is. Mark Rick's the offensive well, coordinator. Well, 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 well. Thomas Brown is one heck of a running backs coach. I never been. You just left me speaking, but you just made a good point. Mark Rick is the offensive coordinator. Yeah. In big games, 
this offense in the games that we lose, in the games that we struggle in, like the four games we could have lost while maintaining that, while, yeah, that 15-game winning streak that you like to talk about, you know, all those lucky games we could have lost in North Carolina who was missing 20-some players. We, you know, we struggled with a whole bunch of other teams, Georgia, Tech, Florida State. You know how we won those games. You was there. The offense was getting five and six turnovers a game and was not producing. Come in this year, first game of the year, the offense was not. I know you, you like to talk about Manny Diaz swapping out linebackers. I don't know what was going on with that, but still that offense was horrible. The only two plays we scored on, they had to come from like 50 yards out. Hail Mary. How do you play championship football like that? You're right. They struggled that night. The running backs did a horrible job picking up the the blitz, and LSU just kept blitzing and blitzing and blitzing. They took the offense right out of the game. You just mentioned the tight ends. I would like to see the tight ends get more passes. I would like to see the run, that freshman running back come out the backfield and run down the sideline and catch some passes. How many passes have, have our running backs caught up the field this year? Not a lot yet, but I, you know, I, you're not going to see every single play in the playbook in the first three weeks, especially when Savannah State was one of them. I mean, you're not, you're, you know, you got to give it, you got to give it some time. I would I would venture to say we haven't seen 75% of the offense yet, Steve. Yeah, I, well, I heard that before. But, Gary, I'm not – look, man, we're all fans of the UM. We're all fans. Some of us are more, I guess, more want – well, I've been a fan since 83. I remember watching that first championship game, you know. And, and I remember just winning those games and – just watching it keep building up. That snowball kept growing and growing, and I've been hooked ever since. So I don't know if it's that. Just some of these fans are just much younger than I am. They don't know what it's like to be a champion. You get what I'm saying? And that's yeah. why they're so passive, and they don't understand, you know, that this ain't this this is not true. What what they're hearing is not true. That we can't be champions again when. All these other schools are coming down there, getting our talent because we're not doing what we should be doing, which is developing it when it gets there. And, and, I don't know, know that that's that that no, I wouldn't. That come on, man, that's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah, they're 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 doing a they're doing a decent job developing kids. They just gotta keep going. They they've progressed from one year to the next. They gotta keep going. We'll see what happens this year and. You know, hopefully this year will be, at the end of the day, hopefully it'll be a a year of progression at the end of the day. And uh, we'll see what happens. Can I make one more point? Go ahead, man. Final point. Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Development talent. Because um, when we watch the kids that go to other schools, I know you don't like to hear this over the site, but I don't think it has nothing to do with anything. I think if our coaches get it together and start getting these kids like you say, the, the the corners in the SEC, you said it yourself earlier. I listen all the time. I just don't call in. So, but you said it. The, the corners in the SEC, they're bigger, they're stronger. But when they leave high school, they're the same size. My cousin, first cousin, Amari Cooper, is right there off of Charles Terrace 
in Coconut Grove. When he left the Grove to go to Alabama, he didn't go to Alabama until August and started as a true freshman. And in three years, he's in the he's in the league. So, and you know how these kids grow up. So why are we even disappointed when they make a business decision to try to get to the league in three years instead of four or five, instead of being a free agent or a fourth or third, fifth-round pick? That's it, Gary. You, you heard me? I heard you. All right, That's Steve. Hey, I'm great. Great to hear from you again. Keep keep I'm the here. faith, I'm man. Watching. Keep 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 the faith. There's a lot of se- there's a lot of season left. I'll Let's be, see what happens. I do. I'm gonna do a lot of hell mirrors. You got it, man. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks for, for calling in. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, man. <laughs> I love when that guy calls. All right, let's go to the nine four one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you? Who's this? Oh, uh, this is the Meister Kane from Port Charlotte. What's up, man? How you doing tonight? Hey, I got some, uh, yeah, I got some uh, comments for everybody out there, and uh, especially some of those negative callers who keep beating up the team and the coaching staff. Well, listen up, all right? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. They've inherited the golden mess, okay, and the Shapiro scandal. The coaching staff is doing everything that they can to maximize what they have in their performance. Okay, as a former assistant coach, I can tell you this. You guys got to have patience out there. This isn't going to happen overnight. I mean, that's that's my number one point. My number two point is about Ronnie McNeil with the ones and the twos. We did that with our wide receivers against the second string defensive backs in order to cut down on the risk of getting our receivers hurt when we coach when I coach them. And the other thing, too, is forget about the LSU game. I mean, well, don't forget, forget the LSU game. Learn from it. You know, don't dwell over it. It's in the past. Time to move on. And the one difference between Georgia and Miami, Georgia didn't have the NCAA mess. Miami had the NCAA mess. Rick inherited it, and he's doing the best he can to turn the program around. Georgia was on a straight level when Rick was let, when Rick was let go from that program. Um, the other thing too is don't take any game for granted. That's how teams get beat. Any game, not Savannah State, not FIU, FIU, not any game. And as far as Malik with his eighty-eight point eight percent there, he needs to perform that. <laughs> Like that in every game, and if he does, well, I don't know if that's uh, possible, Mike. Mikester, eighty-eight point eight is like super elite. Hardly anybody does that every yeah. game. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And do you think Akeem Dent will commit if UM does well? In your opinion, I think there's a chance. I think I think it's you know he clearly is thinking about it. No, Remember, he was committed to Miami first. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so so and anyway, I'm, 
I'm, I'm still in the dark on the uh, the uh, uh, tackles. Um, besides Evan O'Neill, are they going after any other tackles for the 19 recruit, recruit class by any chance? I think they're fishing around. You know, um, there's a JUCO kid that they're trying to get in on. Uh, I, I his name escapes me right now, but the the Michael Tarquin kid that's committed, he's a tackle. Uh, okay. You know, I'm not sure where Kingsley uh, from Jacksonville is going to end up, whether he'll be a guard or tackle. But uh, they're out there. Darius Washington, he's committed to Mississippi right. State right now from Pensacola. Yeah, I think they'd love to oh, steal him. So we'll see. Try to flip him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, in closing, I know I'm I'm hungry, and I want to see UM get to the uh, – playoff contender, but I'm going to tell everybody out there, you got to be patient. Take my advice from a former assistant coach. They are on the way there. They're just not there yet. You know, Clemson is still very elite. They still have talent, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, the, the talent is way above Miami right now, and if Miami does play Against Clemson, eh, I don't. I don't expect to win this year. I really don't. Not yet. <laughs> so. All right, Mike. All right. Thanks. All right, Gary. Thanks, thanks for calling in, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care now. Bye bye. You got it. Let's go to the nine seven three. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. Please, man. I'm about to fall asleep on this. Gary, what's up? What's going on, Ross? What you got for us? I hear you up here getting upset with these guys when they're calling and talking the truth, Gary. Don't do that. You know, you're I'm not, not I'm, I'm not, ups- uh, I'm not upset Gary, with anybody. You're not, you're not getting, not, they're not getting feedback from you. They make points. They're making serious points. They're criticizing a little bit. They're being very, you know, strong about their points. And you're just saying, are you done yet? Kind of a response. I'm just, I'm just telling you. That, what we're that's hearing. absolutely not true. Okay. I got a lot of guys listening, Gary. I got, I got a lot of guys to call. And they might not be calling into your show, but they're, they're all listening. And after the show is over, we talk the next day, and we, 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 we agree on some of that stuff. I like the segment. Matter of fact, I like the song you started with, man. Great song. Great song. <laughs> all right, so what's on your Welcome list tonight, Ross? I know you got a list there. So let's, get, let's get to it, man. I got a lot of guys who want to get on here. No, no, it's a list, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make some points. Um, let's, go, let's go over to the defense. Um. You, you you started wanting to defend um, Mike Jackson. I'm not necessarily not getting on the player. It's somewhat the player, but it's it's not about that guy being a an NFL caliber wide receiver. Yes, he is. It's the way he played it, Gary. It's the way he's not turning his head. I'm su- I'm surprised nobody brought that up to this point. We're yeah, I agree with you. Stuff. The callers are calling and frustrated about the play. We no, he he, he didn't turn his head on either one of those plays. I'm with you 100. percent See and that? I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, Gary, stop. <laughs> cool. Yeah, listen. It's not about. It's not. It, I, I'm surprised nobody brought it up in that way. They it was getting there, but just never brought it all the way through. He's not turning his head around. It's technique stuff that we're frustrated about. While certain guys are developing here, there's certain things that they're not showing. 
You should not have three plays when you're not turning your head around. That means when you get back to the sideline, they should be all over you, of all American caliber or not. And I never thought he was a first-round draft pick, but he's going to be a pick. He's going to be a second-day pick, or he's going to be in the league. He, he will be there. And I'm sure once he gets there, they're going to teach him to do that. Well, why not learn it now? We haven't seen that. That hasn't been a problem for him on an ongoing basis. It was the other day. Totally agree with you. And you're talking about a subject that's one of my greatest pet peeves in football. Uh, I constantly see these cornerbacks not turning for the football. I don't understand it. But, uh, you know, you're right. He can't, he's going to have to correct that. Cause he might have well stopped at least one of them if he had turned. Mm-hmm. But they just never do. You know, we had that problem last year. I'm I'm feel bad that he's not playing and everything. We had the same problem with Young. Don't get it. What? Are, why are we not doing the little? This is why when Uki and some of these guys called, they said we're not looking like. We also watch other games too, Gary. We watch other football games like you do, and we watch cornerbacks and running backs and this and that. They do stuff that looks like they're into the game. All right, but Ross, here's my thing with you guys. You know, and and you know, you fall into this a little bit. You know, you might maybe not okay. as extreme as Uki or whatever, but like you guys don't ever see anything good. Like there's never any. Everything's always bad, bad, bad. Like there's never no, anything not, good going on. Which the thing is the thing that may cause us the game that we are nervous about. Like like calling stupid timeouts. Like we just scored, and instead of just getting to the next play and doing what we need to do. We have to call a timeout to set that play up. This don't look like it's fluid, Gary. It's not about being negative. It just doesn't look fluid. Nobody else across the nation is doing it. We do stuff that no one else is doing negatively, so we're going to point that out because we don't want to lose games that way. That's why we're bringing those things up. That's the only reason why. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's it. Okay. Let's, get, let's stick on the defensive side again. Red wine. Certain things that I saw on, 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 on the Saturday is, okay, Johnson is down. It's his, It's now his team in the defensive backfield. He should take that over. He's been here long enough. To say we're having trouble, how come I don't really hear that stuff against, against about other teams? Total breakdown as soon as one guy go out. Shouldn't happen. Just shouldn't happen. Again, I'm not being super negative. I'm pointing out a little stuff that annoys us, just simply annoys us. It's annoying. I enjoy the game, enjoy the victory, but just don't like to see some little stuff that could get us a beat. All right. Fair enough. Now, so what else you got? Go ahead, keep going. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm I'm from the school of, and I know now people are not going to jump on the bandwagon with this one, but as far as the Florida State game, I know we're jumping ahead a little bit because people are bringing it up, so why not? I bring it up too. I could give a hell if they're five and old. Oh, and four. I'd rather them come in oh and four. People are like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I'd rather them be undefeated than beat them. I don't. They didn't give a heck about us in the years when we was down and we was coming in. We had our running back wasn't playing or this one wasn't playing. They didn't care. They they whipped our behinds. So I don't care what kind of damaged goods they're coming in or not damaging goods. I want to whip their behind. I want to do it in our stadium coming up, and I want to beat them by at least 15, 20, 25, 30. It don't matter what we do. I just want to beat them. Because it's about getting recruits, about sending the message. So I don't, I don't need them to be undefeated to play them. I just need them to come in for that ass whipping. That's it. I'm not on the school of I want them to be undefeated and being ranked. That's nonsense. Because they didn't, they didn't want that. They didn't want that for us. They wanted us to be crawling in. So I want them to be crawling in also. That's it. I, I don't get all caught up with 
want them to be a good team coming in. So that doesn't help us. I want mm-hmm. them to remain garbage. That's it. Okay. And, and, and another thing too, when we're talking about um, here's here's something good, gang. Here's something good. Running back. I want Dallas. Not nothing against Homer. It's just he might be one of those Robin guys. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, you're getting you're getting man. Dallas. Dallas has pulled even with Homer. I understand, and that's why I want more Dallas because Homer could be a bat, a, a Robin guy. He might be satisfying that role. He he doesn't. He look like a like he's going to be a scat back. If he makes it to the league, he'll be a scat back. He won't be an every down back. Agree or disagree with that? Oh yeah, he's not built to be an every down back. I yeah, think what so, they're doing is perfect. They're giving them they're giving them both equal reps. It's awesome. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? You made a great point before when you said, um, you know, Quarterman is just uh, linebackers are struggling like they're stuck in the mud and not making plays. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. I'm not why either. Slow, why, why do you think they're so slow to the ball? Do you think there's something that. I don't think they're. I mean, Shaq much- is faster. He lost weight to get faster. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if dropping the weight took away some of, some of his physicality. I, I, I can't explain it. But he's not impacting. Thing, you think that. You think it's I eye candy? You think you think that because you know it's a I, lot of sometimes it's a lot of that. You give him a lot to look at, and then he think it's 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 there, and it's really not there. So I don't know. I mean, the kid's a know. heck of a player. I mean, he's just he's, but he hasn't been impacting the game so far this year the way he has in the past. Hopefully that changes. Garrett, I'm thinking about making the Boston College game. You gonna be at that game? I will be there. Yep. Okay, I'm thinking about doing it. Look, that good. Good. Get up there. That's Make gonna be a big roll. game. Big big night game on the road. That's going to be one of the tougher outs of the year. So you can see who Ross is, and then you know you go ahead and um, you know, you know, no problem. Look, there, but, uh, look, but, looking forward to it. All right, Ross, so, uh, yeah. give us a call next week. All right, keep me at home, man. Thank, yeah, thanks for being part of the show as always. Let's go to the seven oh six. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? How you doing? It's your boy Sebastian. What's up, man? What's going on, Sebastian? How you doing tonight? Hey, I, 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 I don't want you to cut me off too quick, but I wanted to take a moment to give you a shout out on uh, listening to Chris Hernan's father. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a father of a kid that's in college, and you know, when you're a father and you watch your kids grow up and they're doing the right thing and they get their degree and they're pursuing their dreams, it just does my heart good because you realize, you know, as much as we love football, we want a championship and want to brag and do the turnover chain, we got the chance to see young men just grow up and do the right thing. I mean, this kid was never in trouble, never gave us no drama and stuff. So, I mean, I'm not trying to bash my other callers that's on the line, but that's a positive right there. That's just a great story, you know, and the way they just kind of communicate with each other and keep in touch and encourage each other and stuff like that, man. I mean, that was worth the call. That was worth listening to the show right then and there. Cause that's all you really want. But anyway, that was just a great, that was just a real, real good moment. So I got a couple of things I want to cover, and I just need you to be clear with me. Gary, I just want you to give me emphatically and just tell me there's nothing going on with Amon Richards. I want to hear, like, we have some story, like, he's not happy with the team and he wants to transfer out or, you know, there's something fishy going on right there. I mean, if he's injured, I want him to get healthy because, we're going to need him. I've enjoyed watching him play, and he's just been a great uh, person on the team. But I just want to make sure we ain't got nothing more to that than that. 
I, I don't know, man. I mean, he, he's still not back at practice. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any kind of soap opera there. I mean, this kid is rock solid. This this is a solid, high, is. High, character high character kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. yeah, I, I, I think he's legitimately hurt. I think it's a <laughs> it's a source of panic at this point. And I don't know. I can't tell you when he's going to be back. I can't tell you how hurt he is. I know he's not at practice. He's probably spending his days in the training room. And I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't, I I don't know. Okay. It's horrible. I mean, the poor, the poor, the poor kid is, you know, his whole career is like, you know, going by here with him being hurt. He'll be back. I mean, if we need, if he doesn't get back soon, I would redshirt him. If he doesn't get back yeah, soon, I would redshirt him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what that, that, that's what I said. You know, and you got you got a talented receiver that you know he's getting himself back together. I just don't want a couple of shows late in the year. You just kind of pull the okie doke on us, and it's like, what was going on? But uh, let's let's talk. Let me talk about. Let me talk about what I saw when they played Toledo. I thought we came out, we were fired up, and um, we, we we played a good game. It could have been against not one of the top echelons team, but I mean, there's a lot of things that you take away from this game and that you just have to celebrate. No penalties, no, uh, you know, no holding calls, you know, no sacks. I mean, there's a couple of things. I want to get your thought on what would you think if we shuffle, reshuffle the offensive line and went ahead and moved Donaldson over the guard and maybe put Campbell at tackle because – we're going to get deep into the season. I'm concerned about our offensive line. The, the next guy that would go to tackle would be Scaife. Scaife's ahead of Campbell. Okay. so Scaife's been, where, he's been working ready? exclusively at, at left and right tackle. And if, if there's any shuffling that needs to take place because of an injury or something, Scaife would be the guy that would, that would go in at tackle. Okay. He's All a little right. ahead so, of Campbell right now. Talk, talk, talk to me about when I look at recruiting, I don't see anything on the offensive tackle uh, side of the ball, and I'm kind of concerned because in the trenches we just haven't done well in the last couple of years of recruiting players. So, I mean, do you know anything on the recruiting end besides? Well, I, I, mean, I, I don't. Want I, I think Michael Tarquin's going to be a tackle. You know, he looks like he's going to be a tackle to me. I mean, he's a good, really rock solid recruit. They're recruiting Evan Neal as hard as as hard as you can recruit somebody. And I th- I'm sure that they're looking for one more on top of it, and it might be somebody that's not even on the board right now. You know, okay. I'm, I, I know the, the last, JUCO kid they're trying to fish around with. You know, what's his, what's they need tackles. Because I've been scouring, I've been scouring all the, I've been looking at all the JUCO tackles to see if any of them list my name to see if they even have any interest in them. I mean, I've um, the I'll give you his name in a second. I don't have it at the top okay. of my head, but I'll, I'll, I'll give what's it to you in a sec. All right, I, Gary, what's up with uh, – I heard Mark Rick on the radio show saying that he's to the point right now that he's seen all he can with the backup quarterbacks in practice, and the only thing – the only way he's going to really get a good eye for how they're going to play is to let them play into the games. And I think it was good to let Malik play as much as he did, but I think we need to start getting some of this – some of these backup guys ready to go because, I mean, I don't want to see a bloodbath or something happening – we got to throw a guy in, and he don't even know what to do. And I also think that Perry gets. Well, remember the they're they're practicing every day, so they know what to do. They just you know they just need time in games now to prove they can do it on game day. By the way, that offensive tackle is Bamadeli Olasene. 
Okay. <laughs> goofy, I, I, goofy I'll name, that. but that, that's the that's the hot, the hot Juco offensive tackle right now. Everyone. He's a big dude. Nebraska, Nebraska. Everybody's trying to recruit the kid. Um, All right. So. All right, Gary. So here's the deal. I'm gonna be in Blacksburg, Gary, and um, mm-hmm. we got it. We 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 got the hookup. I got to figure out. Like I've asked you before, like how do we find you? You know, because. We call everything. I wear I wear an orange cane. I'm I'm on the field. I wear an, either an orange or black canesport.com shirt. It's right on the chest, okay. right right across the, the, the you know the. Well, it's well, embroidered on the polo. Like that, and I'm and I'm always on the field two hours before the game, and I stay down there. But we, but we can't. But we, but we can't get. We can't get on the field though. Well, if you if your seats aren't in the lower level, it's going to be hard. The other place you can always find me is where the team arrives uh, at the stadium. Because I'm always okay. there. I'm always there filming it for everybody, so everybody can see it. Okay. All okay. right. What are before? I, what are our chances of flipping a King Dent? Just talk about that and keep me on hold. We'll keep the conversation going next week. All right, man. Uh, a King Dent. I think there's a chance he's listening. Like I said, he he was at the stadium three hours before the Savannah State game to hang out with the coaches. That tells you he's interested. That it's it's genuine. It's not BS. We'll see what happens. You know, Florida State keeps struggling. I think there's a decent chance he might flip. All right, let's go to the 727. You're on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right, Gary. How are you? Doing great. Who's this? This is Enrique from Tampa. What's up, Enrique? Talk to us. Um, something that hasn't really been brought up is uh, how well the uh, the O-line played, uh, being that, you know, against LSU and Savannah State, they were, they were kind of hit hard and uh, – just wanted to point out that you know they really played a, a pretty well-rounded game against Toledo. Yeah, they did. Is there anybody? Uh, is there anybody that stood going. out more? Do what? Is there anybody that stood out to you on the O line? Yeah. Not not any individual, but I, I thought as a collective unit that that was the best they've looked all year. And I know it's just Toledo, but you can only take forward steps where you're taking forward steps so you know you can't suddenly manufacture and put yourself on the field against Clemson so uh, I thought that was a positive development I, I think they need to get better and uh, coach Cyril seemed to be pretty happy with the progress they're making uh, we talked to him today and uh, yeah I just I thought it was a good forward step for him yeah I want <clears throat> to touch up a little bit on running back I know the uh, uh, Homer's lackluster performance has been brought up multiple times tonight but what I see in DJ Dallas is that he's that shifty back man. If you really just watch him run, sometimes the holes aren't there. But this guy finds a crease. I don't know how he does it, but he he's finds patient. He's he's patient. Right. He, you know, Homer Homer is more like hit the hole 100 miles an hour and get what you can. DJ is being a little more patient, and that's why he's having effectiveness. But I don't know that it. it I mean, that Homer's been terrible. He's just not doing quite as well as, as as DJ. Right. I would agree with that. Let's uh <clears throat> let's talk about how important Chalk Gray has been to this offense, especially on short yardage. He's doing great. In you know, they they've I think they've only missed on one of those short yardage runs. And, and then they made it on, and, and then they did it on fourth down and got it. So right. now nah, he's doing and great. They found a role for him. I bring it up because of how bad Miami has been the last several years that third down efficiency and it seemed like they they really clicked this game and you know for us to be 
you know, taken serious as a contender, you can't you can't go, you know, 2 of 12 or 3 of 10 on third downs, you know, because it's, you know, you're just going to have the defense all out there all day because you're constantly going three and outs or, you know, you get one first down and you're out the very next series, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> what could you attribute to the uh, – to the defense kind of getting a little relaxed during some of these games? Well, they, it was just the other day at the end of the first half. You know, they were up 20 to nothing. I think they thought the game was over. I, I don't know. I mean, they suddenly went from dominating to getting torn to shreds. Right. I'll agree that uh, that Malik had a pretty good game. I mean, he, I mean, let's face it, he had a very good game. But I'm still not – he still has accuracy issues. The, the ball you said that um, Mallory dropped, that ball was way behind him. Um, even on the deep throws to uh, to Thomas, Thomas made spectacular spectacular catches on those throws. Um, I'm glad he's making – you know, he's, 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 he's improving week by week, and that's all we can hope for. If he doesn't run for a couple touchdowns here and there, I don't think his arm's going to be enough to take us where we need to go. So I'm, I'm hoping he can keep mixing it up, you know, both with his legs and his arm, uh, because I just I'm not convinced with with his arm talent. Mm-hmm. Well, he is what he is. He's not going to suddenly get a stronger arm. He is what he is. They, there were a couple throws that he made the other night or the other day at Toledo that were NFL throws. He, I mean, right. throws 40-yard ropes across the field. Um, the one where he hit Cager when, when Cager was open and he had to, like, look off and he found Cager and he had to throw it there on a rope and he did. I mean, his arm is strong enough. It, it, it's, it's, it's strong enough. Just needs to be consistent. Build on what he did Saturday. Keep, keep going. Keep building. Keep doing a little better. And uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's all I got for you tonight. Uh, keep doing a right, good man. job, and I'll let somebody else Thank- jump on. Thank you for being part of the show. Let's go now to the nine five four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Hey, who's this? This is Jay. What's up, Jay? What you got for us? Oh, not much. Just uh, listening to a couple guys. You know, we should all be negative about the team, but what good's it do? You know, I sit here on hold for. However long we do, I mean, just want to talk stuff all the Yeah, I mean, the, the, the queue is always loaded, that's for sure. <laughs> but at least you get to listen to, to the show while it, you're so. while you're on hold. Oh, for sure. But you know, you get three months here to talk about it. You know, it's it's a it's a reprieve from life, and uh, gives you you know, sorry, tell my wife, twelve Saturdays a year is all I ask for. You know, anything else, I'll yep. do these silly festivals and all this other crap with you. But you know, give me my twelve Saturdays. Give me my twelve weekends. Uh, yeah. That's right. So. uh no, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things I saw there in the game. Is there negativity? Yeah, there is. Like, I could be first. And the first thing I'll point out, you just mentioned the last caller, you know, the, that last drive of the first half. We had a lot of substitutes in the game in that, that time. Our whole D-line was second team. I noticed I think uh, Shaq was off the field, if I'm not mistaken. I think, you know, Jaquan had gotten hurt by then. So we were probably playing, I mean, I didn't see the whole field, but maybe three or four starters. I mean, I definitely saw Nesta in there. I saw uh, – Keto, they were the D tackles for the whole series. Patchen was in the game. So, you know, another thing right there. Substitution patterns as the coaches. You know, you talk about the first game with that long run.
on that, it's inexcusable. I don't care if you've been a coach for one day or a hundred collective years, like our staff is. I mean that 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 was absurd, and this to me was also. I mean, you're getting the ball at halftime. Why would you give them any momentum going into the second half? That made no sense to me. And if you review the tape, I'm sure you'll you'll notice a couple. Most of the guys, uh, especially up front, were were backups. You know, especially with the sex, success we were having. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, talk to you a lot. I noticed. Point, but <laughs> I uh, saw a huge difference on you know, obviously third down. This game was was massively improved um, from you know last year and you know LSU. Uh, it was the intermediate passing game that that's got clicking a little bit. You know, Malik was late on some throws. You know, the one that Mallory we've all said there was a throw to Brevin Jordan. I think it was in the first quarter. He was wide open out of the break, and then you know Malik was about a second or two late, and the linebacker was able to come over the top and knock it down. And that was a third and seven. We had the punt. Uh, but getting leg involved in some of those little six, seven-yard comebacks, hitch routes, you know, just little turnarounds. Uh, that's the part of the game that's missing, the middle field and those throws. And they hope to God that this game gave him some confidence to start making some more of those throws, make some more of those reads. And granted, it was Toledo, so we had more time. But if we can build to that, you know, that's going to open up this offense so much more and keep the defense off the field and just drastically, drastically improve our chances. And I made a point on the board I don't, a while back. Um, Kaya made those throws routinely. Why is Amon Richards who we think he is? It was that five, six-yard little out pass or comeback he took to the house against Virginia. That was his coming out party. And he makes the same play against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And the joke is the same thing against Pitt, against West Virginia in the bowl game. We have the same players. I mean, do we have Najoku? You know, Jordan and Mallory aren't Najoku yet, athletically, absolutely not. But they, they're capable of making a play, making a guy miss, breaking a tackle. Give the guys the ball. I mean, I just feel like every time we have a second and six, second and seven, you know, you get the run game gets going. And then Rick goes to the pass a little too much for my liking. Now, second down, however, when he does, it's Malik is over the top 50 to 60% of the time. It just, it, in, you know, he overthrows a guy by 10 yards. He underthrows a guy. All of a sudden, you're third and seven. That's why our third down percentage is in the tank. And we had a lot of those opportunities this week again. Third and six. Was it was better this week. Three, he 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 was, was good on third down this week. He he made he, he made a lot of great throws on third down. That's what I was getting to. We had plenty of those third and six, third and seven opportunities that he made those type of throws. Yep. Whether it was you know the one to Langham before he had her in the corner, or you know certain other ones that you know, he Jeff Thomas on that little switch route. That was about third and six, third and seven. You know he was he was looking. Six, seven, eight, ten yards downfield. He wasn't looking for the fifteen-yard or more jugular, and that's what, like I said five minutes ago, my call. I mean, my call for start. I hope to God that is the building blocks finally for Malik. That going forward, we can hit a lot more of these plays and and sustain drives. And uh, one more thing, I'll make before I get off. I know you guys are calling. Uh, Oline team was pretty decent. You know, I think St. Louis played one of his better games uh, that I've seen him right or left tackle. And you know, unfortunately, he stuck there. One thing I'd like to see, I think Skase at right tackle. I think our first uh, order of improvement is going to come from him. Maybe not solidifying right tackle, but giving us more and more reps, maybe solidifying it later in the year and getting Navon back to guard. And maybe moving Yeah, I don't think you're going to see home. that this year. It, it would be like to take – after Navon's been working a tackle all these months to try to move him back to guard now, I don't know that you're going to see that, but you might see it next year. I agree. Oh, well, next year, yeah, for sure. I think your, your offensive yeah. line next year is uh, – hopefully Evan Neal, obviously. I mean, 
he's he's I think our only hope at left tackle to be honest with you. And then um, you're going to have you know Reed or Delone at left guard. You know maybe Campbell or Delone at right tackle, depending on what Scape does. Navon back to uh, right guard and Gainer center. And you know you keep hearing about the younger guys. I mean they have the talent. You know Herbert. I'm high on Herbert. I, I saw they could play for five or six years down there. Um, his shoulder was a mess last year. Obviously, he lost a lot of time, strength, and conditioning. That's why he's not ready yet, and now he's got a little knee issue. So, the athleticism is definitely there. The length is there. Um, he's just, you know, got to get his body right. And, you know, he's still a registered sophomore on the offensive line. Anytime, if we were talking about this with Ryan McNeil's day, 1992, 1988, like he said, an offensive lineman would never play until his third or fourth year on campus. So it's just a different game today, different expectations. And I think the recruiting sites have a little bit to do with that. You know, us fans feel more connected to the players when they get to campus because you read about them for two, three, four years. I mean, hell, kids are committing out that was born in, uh, what, 2005. I mean, it's, it's absurd. <laughs> you know, 2021 kid who's uh, – we're from South Bay, right, that we got the other day? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you hear these names, so you feel like, oh, well, I've known about this kid since he was 14 or 15 years old. Well, he's on campus now, he should be ready to go. It's just, it doesn't work that way, you know, especially at those positions. And uh, anyway, but I just want to make that point. So, but I'm, I'm hopeful Scape can get some more time. And when he does, I saw Mahoney. And he I, will. You know, like he's he said, doing he's well. Right in the volume with playing right tackle. But, you know, I just. Yeah, I don't I see them moving him back to guard know. during the season, but maybe by next year. Right. That is, that is a better so, spot for him. Absolutely. They just got to get some tackles. That's his money position. I mean, he, he, he yeah, is a talent no doubt. That position. And, and, no doubt, but he'll be better be for being able position. to swing the tackle, too. The pros will like that, so it's all good. Absolutely. All right, man. Hey, thank for you sure. for being part for of the show. Sure. Give us a call next week. Yeah, you got it. Thanks. All you right. got it. All right, before I continue onward here, let me um, hit some of these questions that were posted on the message boards at canesport.com for tonight's show before we get too late. Um, how bad does FSU suck? Well, uh, like I said earlier tonight, I watched their game against Syracuse this afternoon, and I really felt like I was watching Miami LSU all over again. It got away from them. Obviously, they have a ton of issues, but I really I caution everyone about assuming that this game in a couple of weeks is going to be a walk in the park or is in the bag for Miami. Um, obviously, the Canes will be favored. The Canes are the better team, but Florida State will come to Miami better than they were at Syracuse, and it's a rivalry game, and you know how hard they're going to play. And uh, can't take it for granted, for sure. Uh, when will Rozier start rolling out and throwing to the tight ends over the middle? Uh, obviously, both of those things are in the playbook. I don't think you can expect to see every single thing every single week. You know, you'll see different things rolled out during the course of the year. I do think you'll see both of those things. Uh, Bubba Baxa kicking the ball out of bounds twice. And the lack of confidence by Mark Richt in him is troubling, to say the least. Are there any solutions? There are not any solutions. He's a freshman. There's nothing he's doing that should surprise anybody, really. And uh, I'll tell you, I've watched him warm up before three games now where they go down the field and he kicks from every distance. And uh, there's nothing I'm seeing that should inspire confidence in Coach Rick. I'll tell you that. He's a freshman. He's kind of a lot like Badgley was as a freshman, maybe not, maybe even a little bit further behind where Badgley was. Badgley turned out to be a decent kicker. Uh, I wouldn't give up on Bubba Baxa yet. He does have a decent leg. Uh, I I think he's just a nervous wreck out there, like you would expect any freshman to be. And uh, I'll tell you what, I watched NFL football this Sunday, and I saw a lot of kickers 
that couldn't be trusted. It was an absolute horror show for kickers this weekend. So uh, I'd say go light. I'm Bubba. Let him grow up. He's um, probably wetting his pants a little bit out there right now, and, and it's showing. Now the other guy, Fiegels, who um, he kicked a little bit better last week. Will we be on the market for another punter, or, or has he turned the corner? Uh, I do not think that we will be on the market for another punter. I think uh, Fiegels, he's got a big leg. I mean, he, he sits out there on the practice field. He can punt the ball 50 yards with five-second hang time. I mean, that's NFL quality. Uh, just has to bring it to the stadium on Saturdays, get consistent. I think he's also a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe needs a psychologist a little bit and stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that they will d- devote another scholarship to a punter this year. Um, do we need a full-time special teams coach at this point? The special teams are horrible uh, in every area, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, they've been pretty bad, but you do have a full-time special teams coach. His name's Todd Hartley. He also coaches the tight ends, but right now you're talking about two guys. So essentially special teams is his main responsibility and I'm not ready to blame him for the scattered issues. I'm not going to pin it on him, but uh, the special teams do need to get better. No question about it. They need to get better fast before they start impacting games. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Thoughts on DJ Dallas becoming the official starting running back. Uh, He's done a great job. I don't know if I would call him the official starting running back. I think Homer actually took the first rep on Saturday, but he's done a great job working himself into the mix. And, uh, I do still think there's some big runs coming from Homer. I think they'll continue to share time. Where's Mark Pope? Well, I think he's trying to learn what to do, to be honest with you. He's trying to get stronger. And uh, I think he's paying the price a little bit because he came in uh, late this summer. He missed all of spring practice. And most of these other guys were there for spring. And that's a big deal. You know, that's an extra few months that they've been in the system, working with the coaches. And, I, you know, I think Mark just needs to get, you know, used to – the way you're supposed to run routes at the college level, I think he's got to get a little bit stronger, a little more physical. He's not as good of a blocker as some of these other freshmen right now, and that's why they're playing ahead of him. You know, you, that's why you see Hightower and Wig, even Wiggins out there, and I'm sure that this is not easy for Mark. I mean, Mark was the dude at Southridge High School, and, and Wiggins was, you know, Robin to his Batman, and – I watched Wiggins, and, and, and I always felt that Wiggins was right there talent-wise to Mark Pope. Just didn't get all the accolades that Mark got in, in high school. And, man, they've come to college together at the U, and it's playing out that way. Wiggins has been one of the more impressive freshmen. Got a bunch of reps on Saturday, and I think you're going to c- continue to see Coach Dugans put him out there because he gets after it in blocking, and that's how you earn your stripes at the University of Miami in a crowded receiver room. You prove that you will scrap and that you will block and and you will do all the little things before you worry about footballs getting thrown in your direction. That's what Wiggins is doing right now, and that's kind of what Hightower is doing too, although he's gotten a few more footballs. And uh, that's why those two have risen to the top of the freshman group right now. Um, But I personally hope they rotate these guys during the course of the year. I really hope a few of them get redshirted. It's too many guys to have in one class. They need to get some class separation, and uh, hopefully that will happen. What was my take on the glass bowl as a venue? Well, the first take I had was that there was no glass. I mean, I walked into the place. It's a cute little stadium up there in Toledo. Uh, A lot of character. They got the old stone look from the 
I, I, I think they built the stadium in the 50s. A lot of the natural looks, they had these two little towers that were kind of cool, these short little towers that didn't look big enough to, to be a hotel room, but they used to be the dorms for their original football team, and now they're locker rooms. And that, you know, that, that was kind of cool. You know, I thought that had a little character. But Glass Bowl? I mean, I know they do a lot of glass work in Toledo, but I didn't see a lot of glass outside of the window of the press box. So I don't know why they call it the glass bowl. Can't explain that one. All right, we've got a few more I'll get back to in a minute, but um, let's, let, let's uh, jump and take a, a few more calls here real quick. Let's go to the 678. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's going on? Okay, exactly. Doing good. Hey, what's up, Junkie? What you got for us? Hey, man, uh, a couple things. First of all, like, do you um? I think having people who know, I like I see why the message boy is a mess. Like a lot of people calling in, it's it's almost like they never ever played football, at, at least not on the higher level. Because the first, like we always like the guy who came on the segment with Ryan McNeil, he's like the regular. I don't remember his name or whatever. Who's who's always talking about ones versus ones. Like, this 18 class just put us back at a full number, right? Which means we just now getting our numbers where we want our numbers. And you, of all people, are one of, like, the, the biggest person who's saying, hey, we're going to see the, the, the um, effect that RJ and Norton left on our program by leaving early. So no you doubt. Mean, tell me, Gerald Willis, is, Gerald Willis is arguably our only DP that we can rely on. And we're gonna there is no question about it, Junkie. He is the only guy that you can rely him. on. Yes. Right. And so yes. Get him hurt in practice that's going to be a huge deal. Yeah. Now we put him and Navon Donaldson up against each other in practice, and both of them go down. You think our O line and D line really going to look like shit? Like, we're not to the point where the 91 to 92. Like Ryan Bedell said, guys coming in didn't even see the field. That's depth. Depth allows you to develop. We not at that stage so we can like start with the oh we would have played better against LSU if we practiced once. That's that's like the that's like a delusional when when my Florida State and Florida fans Junkie, they got they, they got their delusional. butts kicked we are at the line delusional. of scrimmage. Yeah, well Why LSU kicked their butts we at the line. We just said Gerald Willis is our holy DP. Why wouldn't they get their ass kicked by seniors? Yeah, uh, he he right now is the only DT. And by the way, he's playing DT junkie. Junkie, he's right. Gerald Willis he, is playing at a level that, higher than we have seen here, and I can't remember the last defensive tackle that played at this level. But they had someone with them and someone to relieve them, and we're not at that point right now. And so we can't blame no. Mark Rick for playing conservative. Uh, my second point is we we praise and worship Clemson. Really, if you look at player for player, uh, bodies for bodies, Clemson only advantage they have on us is depth. And that's like most teams that's going to compete for championships, they're going to have depth because we're just well, now de- depth in the, and they're miles better at the defensive line position, miles better. And probably, they just have probably, now, probably just offensive said, line you too. Said, yeah, you just said Willis is playing at a, lot, a level higher than now. DTs at Miami that's playing at a high level, they get drafted high. So you mean to tell me Clemson got a player who you can go player for player with Gerald Willis and it's gonna be like yeah they oh, probably got they, they probably got Gerald. three or four Gerald he's Willis. night and day better they, but I'm saying they have that's my point you just made it they have three Gerald Willis's and we only have one and when he goes out our next player is like beneath their second and third string player they third Correct. and fourth string player 
and that's the that's the that's the advantage they have. They can bring in three. If we had four Gerald Willis's, okay, we, now we can look like cuts and be lying. But they don't have a player who you can just say, oh, that player is just night and day better than Willis. Oh, this player night and day better than Jaquan. This player night and day better than Amar Richards, Jeff Thomas. They don't. They just have more players who can make more plays. And, and and that's that's gonna take time and getting classes in, getting players in. That's not on Mark Rick. Like they bring up the Georgia. Mark Rick was in Georgia. He was coaching against Philip Farmer, Steve Spurrier, uh, Urban Meyer. Like Kirby got a cakewalk. The, the SEC East is the weakest division in college. Like the it's weak as the coastal. Like just look at that conference: Florida, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Like that 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 side is a mess. So we, we want to praise and worship Kirby, who who took over a 10-win team when Mark Rick came in and took over Al Golden team that, that had number issues, that had guys leaving, so which made created more numbers issues. And with, and with Malik Rossler, we make a big deal out of him. Is he any different from Jalen Hurts? You're asking me if, he's, if Malik's different than Jalen Hurts? Yeah, yeah he's way, yeah, way different. I'm saying – Jalen Hurts faster. Jalen Hurts is, with a yeah. Better O-line. Yes. With a better O-line with better players around him. But, is, I mean, quarterback-wise, is he better than Malik as a quarterback? Yes, yes. What makes him different, Gary? I, 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 he, I think he's, he, he's just – He's he, faster. That's it. That's he's it. definitely fast. He's definitely faster, definitely more athletic, and I think they have comparable arm strength. Right. So my point is being able to say, hey, they saw that dude tour all year in practice, and they said, hey, he wasn't better than Hurts, but uh, Saban put him in in the championship game. Well, it was right? hard. It was, it was tough because all Hurts was doing was winning. I mean, Hurts has a great record. Right, but it's not because he's a great passing quarterback, Gary. Like, no. Like, let's no. Look at it for who and, they are. They're the same and, player. Malik yeah, but that's why that's why player. Saban made the move because he needed he needed to throw the ball to win that game and and that's right. why he switched. And that's what exactly, and that's my thing with what our quarterback situation because they saw him practice every day just like they saw Hurts practice, and Hurts still got the start all the way through the whole season. Um, yep. And oh, and not my last thing uh, with Akeem Dent. Now, if you were to compare him and Stevenson. Like, where would you put them in terms of a comparison? Like, so if we miss out on Stevenson, which everybody's, like, predicting, and we caught Dent, will it even now, or would it still be like, oh, well, we still miss a player that could change our program around? You know, so I've watched – the same type of player who can help? I've watched Tyreek a lot more than Akeem. So, I, I, I mean, I, I, they're both very, very good. Because he's in Miami. I mean – yeah. Akeem actually has the higher star rating. I mean, I think they're one A, one B. I mean, I I think if you can get one of them, you got to if you get one of those two, you're doing good. So we get Akeem, we get Vogel, and we get Neil. Our program is where we needed to be to compete for championships, or we needed Stevenson, and we needed a uh, uh, Dent. Whereas we didn't need Dent when we was getting Stevenson. I think, Stevenson, I think we were to get it, it's more than that. Neil. I mean that. That's a great start, but you, I mean, look, the linebackers are getting older. You, you, you just got to keep going, man. It's like it's so hard. People don't realize how hard it is to pull the whole thing together. You just got to keep right, going, right, keep right. going, and hope that hope you get to the point where you know, with Alabama, where Clemson, where 
is I'm not going to say Georgia because I don't think though that they're they're that they're at that level yet. But just where they're where you get to the point where your roster is just soaked everywhere, and then you can win the championship. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you forget when 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 Miami was winning championships, you had six guys getting drafted in the first round. But that's just our strength, you know. I mean, they were. I mean, come on now. We had some like guys who didn't even pan out, like you know, they got drafted off the strength of the name. But my point is, we had the depth. And with Bush Davis, like we keep giving this man all this credit. Like we, why are we scared of him? Like. He did I don't think Miami. anybody's scared. He, I think they just respect, they respect what he I mean, did, we, Junkie. We are, why are we so why are we worried so much about all these other people? Like who FIU got that we need to be worried about? It was like, oh, they got Bush Davis over there. Like he was just a phenomenal. Coach. I, don't, I don't get the I sense anybody's like, worried. Evaluated and we're not, I don't think we're anybody's not gonna worried. Beat them by points. We're not going to beat them by twenty-one points. Well, hopefully I they mean, will. What the, what, Oh, okay. All right. Florida State is another blowout, man. Like, we got to stop giving these – like, we watched Florida State, man. Like, we can say this, a rivalry and all that crap. When we were down, they were beating us. We weren't losing the teams like uh, – Bears barely beating teams like Sanford. Like, I mean, let's, we, we got to, like, take it for what it is. We don't have the depth to compete with Clemson and Alabama. Let's keep it right there. But tell us Not yet. And everything Hopefully that we soon. Can do, Right. We we have everything that we need right now except just for like a certain set amount of certain positions, mainly D C and mainly on the back end in the secondary. That's it. Yeah. When we get our D C numbers and our yeah, so I'm yeah, I'm uh I, you know All I, right, I junkie. the game out but yeah. Give, give us a call next week. I got. I, I want. I want to try to let these. I got. I got four guys. I got to try to get on here. I got. I got five. I got to try to get on in the next ten minutes. So, um, give okay, us a call next ahead. week. All right, man. All right. Talk to you next week. All right. I got five of you. We got to fit you in the next ten minutes. So keep it tight. Let's go to the three two five. You're on Kane Sport Live. You with us? Three two five. Going once. Twice. All right, we're down to four. Let's go to the five three zero. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, this is uh, Josh from California. Um, What's up, Josh? I, uh, I, as a Miami fan, you know, I'm sure you and 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 most of the other Miami fans on the line. It's been a lot of fun watching Florida State lose and almost get beat by a, a FCS school and all that stuff. But my and I'm hoping I you know on one hand I'm hoping that they lose a bunch of games. The only thing I'm concerned about if they go like one and eleven this year, maybe they fire Willie Taggart and get something else. So what I'm get somebody else, and that would bother me more because I want them to keep Willie Taggart. On they're not firing Willie Taggart. They they're they're in too deep. I mean his buyout I think would be twenty million. They're not firing him after this year. No chance. Okay. The Seminole well, I mean, boosters could not. Yeah, okay. There is no chance Seminole boosters are raising twenty million dollars to get rid of Willie Taggart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> However, well, if he doesn't get it turned yeah. around by okay. next year, I think they'll make his life so miserable up there that he'll be begging to leave. Okay. Because I, I think that was part of our problem with the previous coaching staff, which I won't name his name, but he did just well enough. I now I know there was a huge buyout buyout with him for a while, but. There was just, he did just well enough to give the fans hope, but he never quite, you know, we never got to elite status. We never beat Florida State during his tenure, you know, or any of that stuff. So I'm hoping, you know, uh, I'm hoping Florida State 
crashes and burns, goes 111 this year. And eventually, they, you know, maybe in the next few years, maybe they go 7-6, and six, and they, they go to the pull-in weed eater or independence bowl, and they just squeak by, like, El Segundo State, you know. So they're – but I don't want them to – so I don't want them to be too bad or too good. I want them to kind of mired in mediocrity. Because I want them to – if you know, I want them to keep Taggart on their staff as long as possible. So – that's all I got for you. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go to nine one seven. You're on Kane Sport Live. Nine one seven. Going once, twice. Are you with us? Hello. Yeah, that's you. Hey, hey. What's up, Gary? BK Hurricane. Hey, what's up, BK? What you got? Go ahead. What's going on? Listen, um. I was watching the game on Saturday, and I don't think there's anything that I'm, I might be in a I might be in a minority. I don't think there's anything drastically wrong with the team except for all those mass substitutions they're doing on defense. I don't see any reason why those three starting linebackers should be out of the game anywhere in the first, second, or early third quarter. I just don't understand it. They weren't a problem last year, and all of a sudden they're a problem this year. I mean, McLeod struggles in pass coverage. So when you're playing passing teams, he's not going to play. He got four snaps the other day. Okay, no problem. But I don't see how – like, you can't take Shaq and Pinckney off the field together. Right. I'm tired of seeing – I've seen – what, I thought I saw Wayman Steed, Mike Smith. I saw a lot of guys in there that shouldn't have been there. And even last year with with McLeod. With him in the game, them saying he's a liability as much as he is, he didn't get burned as much as Finley and Smith are getting burned out there. So those guys no. are getting cooked every now and again. Yep. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, guys, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm with you. You know, you don't have to take McLeod off the field if it's not going to be that much of a drop-off because it's, it's not that much of a drop-off at all. So – those substitutions are killing us. It's like Manny Diaz is trying to fix something that ain't broke. Like, we need all yeah, those guys I, in I the field I, first, second, and third quarter. Again. That, they, they got killed. That, that, that took them – that totally changed the game in Dallas. I, I'd be shocked if they do that again. I hope not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just tired of seeing guys on that field that have no business being on the field that early in the game. That early in the game, because there's no, you can't tell me those guys are tired and at the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter. That they have no business being on the field. That's number one. Number two is, this is a prime opportunity for the for the team to really take advantage of what's going to be going on at at Florida State because they're horrible, and all of a sudden all these Florida State commits are talking to Kane's coaches again out of out of the blue. Dead, now hunters. Talking to coaches again. Uh, uh, who else? Akeem Dent. Hunter might be. Uh, no, uh, well, you know, I was reading on, you know, TOS that he's already been in contact and he's leaving it up yep. to God, all this extra stuff. He's, yeah, he's that kid's about a toy. That kid's a nutcase. I don't know if I would even take yeah, him. That but they need spring wreck. But yeah. this is a perfect opportunity for us to just take advantage. If we could win, if we could just get past Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, We'll be in the ACC championship game, and we could really score on the recruiting end of the of the you know of the whole thing. This could be a big recruiting year for us because if we end up with with Dent and Stevenson, we're good. Yeah, those are the two crowning jewels of the class. 
if we can find a way to get both those guys on the team. Am I correct? Yeah, I I agree. It It would be awesome. All right, one last thing. How much would you pay to have Stephen Morris come back on the team? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be the best guy right now, wouldn't he? Stephen Morris would be all NCAA on this team with those wide receivers and those tight ends we have. Yep, no he, doubt. He'd be, I mean, he didn't have an accuracy problem. He had a killer arm. But that's it, Gary. I just wanted all to right, man. touch on those. All right, BK. Later. Thanks for being part of the show, right. man. All right, last call of the night. Let's go to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Who's this? This is a TC calling from the ATL. Hey, I'll, All right, I'll just TC. Be, uh, short. Yeah, I'll just be short and straight to the uh, straight to the point tonight. Uh, good show tonight, Gary, once again. It's great having uh, old-timers like Ryan Hill on and uh, Big Pat Riley on a couple weeks ago. And also, I like uh listening to uh, – is it Kane's junkie or whatever? The guy yep. that was just speaking not too long ago. Because uh-huh. it's good to have both, you know, viewpoints from guys that have played. And then also, I don't know if Kane's junkie has played football before, but dude, it seems like he knows a little bit what he's talking about. Um, I mean, Gary, last year we played how many weeks without having a bye week due to the hurricane? Last year? Last year, we didn't have that yeah. buy, right? Because we no. because of the, that takes a toll on your body. That that yep. football is a grueling sport. They, yeah, well, they, they hit. They, that's what happened. Out. They hit. They got to Pittsburgh. They had nothing in the tank. Tank was empty. Yep. Football is so so brutal now, Gary. They even have a bye week in the in the NFL. Yeah, just how brutal it is. So, just make a quick point, real quick, Gary. What happens if we're looking right now at the end of the season and LSU is undefeated and our only loss is to LSU? Yeah, I mean, that's Imagine impressive. It, but I, I, don't, I don't think LSU is going to be undefeated. <laughs> they got a brutal schedule. Right, right, but we still don't know that. But I guarantee you right now, Gary, if we had to bet, I would put $100 on LSU beating Clemson right now in a neutral site. I don't know. In a neutral site, I would bet cash money LSU would probably beat Clemson in a neutral site. That's just mm-hmm. how good that team is. That team only made eight turnovers the whole last year. It's hard to be a team that's disciplined like that. Those guys mm-hmm. just went into Jordan Hare, and they beat Auburn at Jordan Hare. And just think, mm-hmm. they got they got George on their schedule. They got Alabama on their schedule. I'm not sure if they have Texas A&M on their schedule, but imagine they if they were to go, yeah, imagine if they were to go undefeated with a schedule like that. And yeah, our only that would be uh, that would be impressive, no doubt. That would be very impressive. Then our loss doesn't look so bad because it was at the, it was the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. So I just I wish that the guys would just like move away from that, move on. It's already happened. There's no way for us to go back and recover that loss. Just move on and and like a lot Ryan of season said, ahead. We got to see where it goes of, before we before we give up and before we say that they've gone backwards this year. I think you got to give them a chance to go forwards. We got to give them a chance to go forward each and every week. See what they are approve, improving on. You know, get better each and every week. It's okay to play some of these young guys. How these young guys are going to develop if we never put them out there to play? 
going off. Of course, practice practice is where they're going to learn. But like Ryan said, on the game field, when you get in the trenches, that's where you're going to really learn. You're not going to learn on the sideline. you got to play. So I don't have any problem with them rotating the guys. It's just like, you know, Picking your points when to put these certain guys in. Don't put don't take don't put these guys in in the first half. No way, they're not ready for that unless we got a fifty to nothing lead. But yeah, play these guys in the third and the fourth quarter so they therefore they can get some playing time. Then it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 alrighty, I, man. Well, thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for getting under the wire here and uh, give us a call again oh, next sure. week. Oh, most definitely, Gary. You have a good night. Okay. You got it, man. Have a great night. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, I want to thank everybody that called in. I thought it was a great show. Um, I think we've had great shows pretty much every week so far this year. Um, all good. Uh, I want to thank Ryan McNeil for coming on and being part of that Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment. I thought that was awesome. Uh, uh, I want to thank Sicilian Oven for once again sponsoring the show. Again, those of you who are looking for a place, I guess we got a what, 3.30 game this week, about – 11:30-12. I highly recommend that you pull into one of those Sicilian oven locations and get yourself a really good hearty pregame meal. You got, uh, we'll focus on the plantation location, which is about 15 minutes north of Hard Rock on University Drive. Um, the Aventura location, if you're coming from the south or east, uh, it's it's over there at 205th and Biscayne. Um, and then, of course, there's locations in Lighthouse Point, Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st a location in in uh, Boca Raton and that location on Oakland Park Boulevard just west of Bayview where they have the full liquor bar. So check out Sicilian Oven, and uh, we thank them very much for being part of our show this year. Uh, got FIU, Butch Davis, Saturday at The Rock. Then we'll be back to talk about it and look ahead to North Carolina next Tuesday night. We'll have a short week. Uh, that game's going to come up quick. So um, everybody uh, – have, have a great week, and we'll see you Saturday at the stadium, and uh, good night, everybody.